0: I'm officially calling the meeting uh, of i Support Board of Trustees for Thursday, May 23rd to order. Uh, can I get roll call, please? Okay, uh, I am ready. Um, Trustee Peterson. Here. Trustee
1: Shequin. Here. Trustee Jensen. Here. Uh, Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Debreeds. Here. Trustee Buket. Here. Trustee Hernandez is here somewhere. She's in the house. She's, She's in the house.
0: In the house. Yeah. And Trustee Alvarado is yes. not here yet. We do have a quote. We're going to head to closed session uh, right now and we'll be back briefly. And just for the record, it's a closed session uh, for the government, the government code uh, regarding performance evaluation. Thank you, Mike. No way. I'd like to call this meeting back into uh, session, into open session. Uh, the first, first item is public comment. We do have uh, a handful of speakers. Uh, I'm going to read everyone's name and have you come up in that order. So we have uh, uh, Rachel Mm Oates. Then we have Troy Nixon, uh, Dana Davis, Mm -hmm. Tawando uh, Gilbert, uh, Michael Williams, and... uh, Oh. Yeah, Michael, you have a card for a different item. That's fine. Um, uh, Just a second before you start. Could we please get our board members at the table to hear the public comment? We can get up and get more food later. Thanks. Hi, thank you for your patience. Um, okay, so okay, so I'll just So my name i been a nurse
2: at John
0: Doerr for the past eight years. Uh, I want
2: to make clear that my councilmen are not personally addressing that John to leaders are intended to bring light like, to some very serious safety issues we are currently encountering. Additionally, I would like to state publicly that workers are concerned that they will be retaliated against for speaking out and we appreciate forward board's support and that does those happen. 84 assaults from staff members have been reported over the past year, with many more likely on report. Two arrests of the assailants were reported as reported them. My estimate is that approximately double this number of patient-to-patient patient assaults have likely to be placed during the time, which in combination means that an assault occurred on average two hours every three days. After two staff were assaulted and required medical attention within a 16-hour period in April, union members initiated a safety meeting to address worsening or social violence. Union members proposed an agenda, including staff for upon the issue the findings of common government leadership and safety locations. Staff. Despite the fact that 15 staff were present on this meeting on April 30th, Dr. Tribble refused to allow an agenda point for staff to discuss concerns, attempted to silence discussion, and walked out of the meeting before any discussion could take place. When an assault occurs, Sheriff shared staff discouraged pressing charges, and on some occasions refused to take a patient who assaulted a peer or staff member into custody using her own evaluation criteria to determine that the patient was not such an ongoing threat. We don't believe that every, every assault should result in arrest. And we are committed to commissioning mission of providing care to patients with even the most difficult behavioral conditions. That being said, it is clear that we can't count on the criminal justice system for support when an assault occurs. This makes it more serious that over the past year, our leadership has also systematically undermined other supports for staff and units. CM3's charged nurses are crucial members of the unit team, setting assignments and assisting in developing treatment plans for challenging patients. Through what was described as a budgeting error, these positions have been eliminated for weekday shifts for the past year, even though they were required by the MAU. Although this budgeting error was known to exist, the 4 positions, assistant managers who perform a charge nurse role, were restructured to remove them from units and work on administrative tasks. In PES, this has been particularly dangerous, where so daily work for charge nurses includes managing poor of 67 patients, many with acute health conditions. The harm reduction team coordinator, a position historically responsible for tracking results and strategizing staff to prevent them, has also been on hold for the past year. It is often the case that for lambing most of dangerous patient behavior, the training plan requires a one-to-one level of observation and even two to one in extreme cases. Many, many times in recent months the dire shortage of mental health specialists has meant that these one-to-one supervisions do not occur or rely on this to cover even though they have a full patient load. We are here to ask Greater help in encouraging our leadership to work with us to improve safety and to urgently address the critical staffing shortages which have been made worse by choices at the top with little regard to the impact on patients and staff.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: My name is Troy Nixon. I'm a nurse at John George. I've been here for 25 years. I'm also the chief shop steward. I'm also the chief shop steward for John George and Fairmont Hospital. Um, since 2004, we have seen an, an increased and in consistent demand with individuals seeking help at John George. Those numbers have risen in such a staggering and unsustainable fashion that we are now on the brink of collapse. Every administration from 2004 up to now has not offered us any real solutions. In fact, the current administration has one us less safe and less productive by cutting nurses and psychiatrists necessary to perform the work. Up until recently, the challenges of working in such dangerous, overcrowded conditions was only felt by John and Bert's staff. On a typical day, our average daily census between 60 and 70 patients, which means you have more people than floor space. Patients are about sleeping on the floor, sleeping and eating on the floor, which made the local news not too long ago. Um, Up until recently, our um, budget committee cut seven RFTEs, um, citing that our average daily census was only 36 patients a day when in fact, we were walking into a room with 60 and 70. So as you can imagine, each and every day, nurses are coming into, Uh, start their shift with eight to ten patients a day um, instead of the one to six uh, ratio required by Title 22. Charge nurses have to be in charge. They work also in triage, and they also have to assign themselves um, patients to compensate for the short-staffing. And as Rachel pointed out, um, in the past year, we have reported 84 assaults on staffing patients in, in the past year, which doesn't capture the latest one occurring this month. Today, our high
3: volume of missions have backed up into every local ED affected our EMS partners
0: and law enforcement from transferring patients suffering from a psychiatric crisis to John George. This administration has not responded to the enormous challenge and the decisions they have made have been counterproductive to the
3: type of support we need. John George is like the dam holding the water and our structure
0: is cracking. If not for the dedicated nurses and characters like Dr. Combs, Dr. Okoye, and Dr. Peary, that them would have humbled a long time ago. All the bad things to come, the staff talked about for years, is upon us. In closing, I want to leave you with a quote that came from our former President, um, Barack Obama. And he said, quote, today is only one day and all the days that will ever be. But what will happen in all the days that will ever come depends on what we do today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Hi, my name is Dana Davis. I'm a CM2 at John George for a handful of years now. Um, I bring that up because I'm not a CM3, I'm not a CM4, I'm not the chargers, and I'm not a manager. But when I come to work, and we don't have a manager we met a manager in my unit for a year they got rid of all the charge nurses we had no clerk that day so because i was one of the regulars i jumped into being the charge nurse having been there for three days we're short two nhs's and three nurses i have no the chain of command is broken down that's just again that's not has not been unusual It was one thing to be short occasionally, we all jump in, the nurses that work at John George are very tough, we work together very well, but to come and just, so I didn't really have a manager to call, I called the assistant manager, so I called the dealer and what is his response to me? You must keep a bigger picture. That's kind of what we've been getting. We're working on things. We're getting it. They just, we just keep feeding people, but there's, there's really, the, the chain of command has broken down to the point that there's no one really you can report to. And the people that are, the staff are getting so burned out, that like people don't want to come to work. So now people are calling out at an accelerated rate. So our staffer's getting burned out. It's just a cycle of, like, like Troy said, the whole thing, it's really sad to watch it just, it's really starting to disintegrate. And the acuity of the patients are much higher. The population is aging. We have so many more medical patients, so we need, to, and that's another issue that I've personally brought up to the deal in is we need to hire maybe CNAs. We need to hire not just, you know, people that can keep us safe, but also people that can medically deal with the patients. So for me, the biggest issues are safety, and safety is in numbers. I mean, that's the oldest still in the book. And when you are so short-staffed and, you know, we're seeing our coworkers getting hurt, it's pretty scary. I mean, I, I came on this, this incident I just told you about. That was on the heels of Rachel just, I came in in the morning and two of our senior staff, big guys, had been assaulted and ended up in the ER over the night, from the evening to the night shift. I mean, the situation on the floor, on the ground at Don George is really, I mean, that's where we need to put our money. Um, so thank you for hearing me out. Thank you. Hello, Tawanda Gilbert, EBS, um, Stewart with SEIU 221, also a native of Oakland. So I'm here to basically come from the um, EBS perspective, infection control. Um, Sunday I went into work and in PES we had 71 patients. That area is not supposed to hold seventy one patients. And so we're not even talking about the staff that is actually within that, you know, holding facility as well. And that's like I said, just P E S. Short staffhood. For the last past two years, we the EBS have been working a unit and a half. You cannot work a unit and a half in a facility where within Alameda County, our homeless population has risen. And it has risen, as I just looked it up on my phone, from, i sorry, so back in 2000, 17 homeless population was 5,621, now the tally as of January is 8,022. So when you think about that count and you're thinking about the high population of people that are coming in because of whatever the situations that you're dealing with now to where you were once in a home and now you're on the streets a lot of them are spilling over into John George. And so we have to be able to have the adequate staff to be able to do the work that needs to be done. And for me, personally, I'm a mother of three. I'm a grandmother of three. I do not want to leave home with nothing and come back home with something. Because of the fact that I'm rushing, I have to do a job, and I'm taking care of people who are in the hospital and I'm by myself. When I was at PES, I was by myself. My coworker had to work three inpatient units by herself for three hours, and each inpatient facility holds about 20 to 22 people. And she had to do that by herself so we need help we need help as far as the staffing is concerned we need help to make sure that people are trained trying to deal with this population that's coming up they are very very aggressive they will tell you what they're going to do to you and when you're in a room this big with beds and everything all over the place and you have 50 people. I'm going to clean bathrooms. You have people that want to go into clean bathrooms. They get up from the lounger seats, and then someone else is taking the lounger seat, and now they're arguing and fighting over a lounger chair. Because it's like, well, I just got up to, to go use the bathroom. Oh, well, you got up and moved. That's a problem. And we had a cap at one time. It was about 50-something. But once again, they're still ready to spill over. You discharge 30 more come in. This is an ongoing, consistent process. And we're not even gonna talk about the encampment that's out there in the back. It was moved before, but we do have homeless encampments all around Johnny. John George. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
4: Good afternoon. My name is Mike Williams. I'm the president of the City of Alameda Health Care District.
0: And, um, I'm here today before you because I'm a little miffed and a
4: little alarmed by some of the recent discussions we've had with Element um, Health Systems.
0: Mike, I'm sorry to interrupt you, sure. if I could. Um, before the folks from John George leave, because it looks like you're all getting ready to walk out, I, I just wanted to um, tell the women in the hall as well. Um, I, uh, I, I especially want to thank Tony for the comments about the increase in, in the homeless population. It's gone up 43% in the past two years, on top of 40% in the two years prior, and you know, we're in a position right now in Allegheny County and in Oakland where the acuity has gone up. And, and I just want to honor your work and tell you how how much respect we have for you for the work that you're doing with this incredibly vulnerable and sometimes dangerous population. I, I um, I just today, because I do work for the, uh, on homelessness for the city of Oakland, and just today I learned of a homeless person who took their life uh, at an encampment, and I'm just devastated. And I just, you guys deal with it every day, and um, we really we do honor and respect your work, and, and we're, we're going to do everything we can to support you, and I, just, I appreciate you coming down today, and I just wanted you to hear that before you left. Thank you very much. Okay. sorry to interrupt you, uh, but to, feel free to, to start over. Okay, yeah. Yeah. thank you. Um, once again, I'm Mike Williams, the president
5: of the City of Alameda Health Care District. Um, I'll get back to why I'm kind of alarmed, but um, I just want to talk about our agreement that we have with the City of Alameda and uh, the district and Alameda Health Systems that we entered in 2014. Uh, we inked a, a joint powers agreement, which is a least, uh, basically for people who may not
6: know. It was a it was a contract between two government entities to uh, provide shared services or provide something in common. Um, and that was uh, a, a binding legal document that was signed in 2014. Uh, part of that document, or part of that agreement is that we transfer all our tax money, uh, net tax money to Alameda I Health Systems. Uh, give the facilities to the system for at no charge um, and uh, just be an oversight. Um, For Alameda Health Systems, uh,
0: their part of it was to bring Alameda Hospital up to
6: SB 90 seismic requirements, um, uh, which was extended in uh, SB 2190 to July 1st of 2022. Part of SB 2190 is that our construction projects that are under it must begin by April 1st, 2020. And so that, that brings up that alarming point to me. And I'll get, get to those points.
0: Um, also in the JPA, it also says that the health system will maintain
4: an emergency room and 50 acute beds. Um, if that doesn't happen, if construction doesn't happen by April 1st, 2020,
0: all uh, that will go away. Recently, in a meeting uh, with the City of Alameda with the Mayor, uh, Council Member Jim Ode, uh Mayor uh, Ashcraft, it was stated
6: that Alameda Health Systems strategically does not want to keep the emergency room open at Alameda Hospital. And they, they made that clear to the City of Alameda, and they made that clear to the district in that meeting. That would put the Alameda Health Systems in a breach of contract, which they're legally binded to provide um, upgrading the facility, keeping the emergency room in place, and the 58 acute beds. That was alarming to me because it has a rip effect throughout, not only the Alameda Health System,
0: meaning that all the associated facilities with this, with Alameda Health District would go away.
6: Because it, in the contract it says the Health District retains all those facilities that came over. But it also would put a stress on the City of Alameda for over 2,000.
0: Uh, patients are transported by City of Alameda ambulances to that facility. We would put a, a stress on the local economy, which is um, the hospital is the fourth largest employer to the City of Alameda. Those jobs would disappear and devastate the economy. So, in summary, the board believes that the Redford, uh, Fit project
6: needs to go on. Uh, we are on because the Westport contract was recently canceled, and now uh, the search for contractors begins again. And
0: April 1st, 2020 is right around the corner. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So I think that ends open session and we can turn to the agenda, um, and, uh, Mr. Warren, there do a card for, for E4, uh, there, so we'll have you back up, um, I think, uh, medical staff reports, and uh, I know Dr. Ballard had to go already. In the interest of time, gentlemen, uh, I know you both gave your reports in QPSC, and I imagine there was some rich and lively conversation that I missed again, is that fair to say? Okay, True. Um, if you want to just touch on the highlights of things you think that are important for the rest of the board to hear, that would be great, uh, but I don't want to make you, like, drag it out. <laughs> so, Dr. Um, do you want to yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. um, for credentials and um, privileges, they were approved. There were no issues. Um, there were no non-position contracts. No quality measures were reviewed. I think the, uh, the main issues are related to items we've discussed before, and uh, Dr. Bouquet is very succinct that, uh pinning us down on the three items that we're most concerned about. We'll um, uh, go in no particular order at this stage, but the... Um, Three items were um, concerns about the medical staff merger, which I think are ongoing. The version of the bylaws that we're going to vote on today um, had limited involvement from our medical staff. Um, and I think they're work in progress. I don't think there's any intent to not have this evolve into what the local government's committee, which should be called the physician leadership committee, mm-hmm. will be. I think there's still some issues that need to be resolved in terms of and multi-specialty representation and hopefully that that would be worked out i think the articulation of the document needs work put it that way but i don't think there's going to be a big problem there quite frankly um, i think there are some issues potentially with qrc reporting um and, uh, we're going to have to work that out that's not been figured out yet either in terms of local quality committees to review um, uh, performance where I think at the moment it's it's suspected uh, the way that items are written that would all be done at Highland, I'm not sure that would be efficient. I don't think it would be well attended by the physicians from there, and it would be hard to review cases from afar without the physicians involved in those cases. So I think probably a system would be similar to Alameda should be done where those cases are reviewed and then brought significant ones back to the QRC potentially. Um, that's second item. Third item, uh, we had uh, some concerns over revenue um, and those numbers will be looked at where well, revenue amounts uh, achieved at San under. other some system-wide numbers for uh, uh, collection ratios which were concerning some of the LEC members if they applied specifically to that campus since the mix is profoundly different than here in Thailand. Um, and so hopefully we get some answers there and that's obviously an important part of the upcoming budget issues. Um, and then um, I think that is it, oh, well, the other thing I mentioned that Dr. Bouquet can mention for the board members. Um, when the um, medical staffs merge, I will no longer be the chief of uh, staff at San Diego Hospital. Um, and so, if happy, my position will not exist on this board here any further hmm. after July 31st or August. I'm not sure exactly. Um, so, I uh, think in this transition period, there may be some value to me coming up to the board if I'm willing to come at least during the Sapphire transition. Um, if not longer, because my tenure at the moment is theoretically through 2020. Um, But that's up to the board. Well, I can speak for myself, and I I, I bet my board members will concur that we would absolutely want to have you come and, and still be at the table, not just for the transition to Sapphire, but to the transition of the licensing, because I think we want to hear how it's going and, and, and any concerns that come up, um, and what better place to do it. So if you're willing to make the drive, we'll keep a seat warm for you. Okay, all right. Now, unless anyone else disagrees with me, I will so. Great. Any, any questions for Dr. Virginia No, okay. Dr. Bayouan, welcome back. Yeah. Oh, um, so a summary on the medical uh, uh, staff at
5: Alameda Hospital, um, in addition to the credentialing and privileging packet that uh, was presented with QPSC, um, we had discussions about uh, ongoing special services at Alameda Hospital. Um, I'm happy to say that uh, neurology services has been covered uh, in addition to our
0: single uh, coverage for uh, Dr. Durie, who's our main neurologist at Alameda Hospital. it being a stroke center. Uh, we're happy that the uh, neurologists over at Highland uh, are able to uh, cover Dr. Durie and have been doing so uh, during the past uh, few uh, weeks. Um, we have discussions with um, cardiology coverage on the weekends. availability uh, of uh, the echo and uh, uh,
5: uh, certain uh, procedures uh, that will be for our patients
0: on a weekend, so uh, the cardiologists that are providing service at Alameda, who are mainly the cardiologists here at Highland, and uh, the medical staff, and I have some issues and workflows on how we can continue to provide,
5: you know, the care for, for these patients in the hope that, eventually, you know, a uh, seven-day uh, coverage for cardiology services, uh,
0: paid um, in person that uh, just on call info and full availability will be available for, for um, uh,
5: in addition to that uh, we had um, uh, discussions
0: on the software project and encouraging our medical staff to register and know for the training procedures that uh, training uh, classes
3: that needs to be done so there's uh, active uh, Reminders for our
5: medical staff to um, to uh, enroll in the classes so that um, when uh, we we get it started in September, everybody's
0: uh, uh, in line. And uh, there's also currently ongoing um, uh, uh, meetings and workflows, which is at least once a week uh, between uh, the Alberta uh, hospital medical staff. A representative at Highland as well, through Dr. Tanabeni, touching uh, on the transfer process, transferring of patients from Highland to Alameda. Uh, this month, um, we have, uh, we added a, a hospitalist daily-round
5: service to accommodate for these transfer of patients. And we've gradually increased the number of, of transfers and then adjusted accordingly on the what certain uh, Uh, Workflows that needs to happen so that the patients can transfer safely and offload, um, you know, the boarding of patients at
0: Highlands Emergency uh, Department. Other than that, uh, that that ends my report. All right, thank you so much, and good to see you again. Can I request your indulgence on one item, the the nursing staffing issue, which I actually put It was a significant issue, and and, that was brought up before, and I I forgot it. I hadn't noted that here. Um, that we we have issues with just staffing, having the nurses to have the beds available. I think the census has been low most recently there because the beds are there, there just isn't staff to, to have the patients in them, and I think that's caused a backlog in the uh, emergency department as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you.
6: So Dr. Ballard stepped out. She asked me to oh, read right, summarize if, that, if that's appropriate yeah, for, yeah, her yeah. for the core. So uh, uh, her her uh, her. Minutes and such were included in the packet, which actually include a Department of Medicine report, which is about 15 or 16 pages, that for there for there for you to read. Her her main discussion points were one with regard to the bylaws and the discussion and. Um, as she said, her willingness to engage in the continuing dialogues with the San Leandro Hospital physicians—that—that—that uh, that, that was a, a, one of the essential points of her presentation. She discussed other uh, considerations around medical staff credentialing, which were perfectly appropriate. And then, uh, within this, uh, the bulk of her report was actually given by Dr. Baden, uh, the chair of medicine, who who walked us through some of the components of the Department of Medicine for which I'm a member, which is probably the, one of the most com- the, the most complex department within the system because it has. Four 14 different divisions within it. Um, uh, she talked about flow and and burnout, uh, which is a continuing theme for us. And then she ended with a discussion about uh, our residency training program. And she did note that, that uh, our residency training program has actually taken a citation uh, this year, for the first time in a couple years, for effectively resident trainee burnout and doing more service over education, doing a lot of the work of, you know, uh, you know, faxing papers and all those kind of things, rather than the, the work of a physician. This is this is actually concerning uh, to be to be given such a citation uh, from the accrediting board for for education. And she asserted that uh, she was happy about uh, the opportunity to continue in dyadic fashion with uh, Dr. Jamal Adin and and uh, the chief medical officer's office to help uh, address these issues. One interesting fact that she noted from the from the resident survey was that. Uh, which was also done by the faculty, was that she found that the faculty were actually more burned out than the residents. And and she wondered, uh, she mused on whether that created an environment for burnout for everybody, which which I thought was a good a, a good question. I always end by asking them their top three concerns. Her first concern was morale uh, in general. Second was wellness in general. And third was communication in general. Uh, this was the, the first time where uh, Dr. Ballard went with the, some of the soft arts on that rather than particular items like budget and merger and the like. So. I thought that was interesting. Right. That's the summary of her report. Thank you, um, trustees. Any questions for any of the docs? No. Nope. All right. So we'll move on.
0: Uh, so it's time for my brief report, um, a couple items. Uh, first, this is on your communications City of Alameda Healthcare District formation of an ad hoc committee, and we have members here. Um, I, I hope you did get my letter. Um, uh, it was signed last week and sent out. Uh, I like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Um, okay, you're shaking your head. So um, I did sign and pen a letter to be sent to you, uh, again, two weeks ago, um, so it should be somewhere. Uh, but you know, I, I really just want to say that we, we're we're in a huge crisis, obviously, um, and uh, we have this this interesting. Um, uh, arrangement joint um, powers authority obligations uh, i don't think ahs has um, indicated that we're going to not meet those obligations um, at this point we are we are delaying capital expenditures right now we also have a uh, problem with the contractor in terms of getting the right price for the for the work that is required um, and i think these are complex factors it's not a simple it's not a simple situation and i also think that um, Broadly, we need to look at the, the JPA and, and, and look at what health care delivery on the island is going to look like, not just in 2022, but in 2032. And um, uh, I know that a, uh, that a study was done. I, I've asked for a copy of that study. I, I haven't seen it. I was told that the study needed more information from the health system, that the Alameda Health District didn't uh, feel that it got. Um, and it's all, all, you know, concerning issues, which is why I'm, I'm recommending we have an ad hoc working group. I, I really think we need members of this board to meet with members of the Alameda Healthcare District Board uh, and, and, and talk these items through. I think it has to start now uh, so that we can actually make sure that we're on track. And, and I'm, I'm sure that I've got Trustee Jensen here who would probably want to be part of that. Um, you know, so that, that letter to, to your district was, was meant with all sincerity. And so I, 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 do hope to get a response and I do hope that we can, um, move forward that. I also know that, uh, our elected officials are interested. I think the uh, county supervisor will be interested in helping to see that ad hoc committee, uh, be successful. Um, and so, um, that's, I, you know, a pretty significant thing that I want to report. I, I really do want to make that happen. So uh, if you haven't gotten the letter, I'm, I'm telling you now. Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll find it in your mailbox. But I signed it. It was supposed to be sent out, you know, two weeks ago. Um, uh, transition from
4: that to
1: another could ad. I, could
3: I just ask a question about that? Sure. Maybe you could just tell us,
1: since you have the letter and nobody in Alameda has received it, um, what actually the, the goal
0: and the objective of this ad hoc meeting would be. So we have that in future. Uh, sure. Again, we need to look at meeting our obligations in 2020 for the seismic requirements as well as meeting the 2030 set. So se- will be coming together to talk about 2020, which has to um, and, okay. and 2030. Right. Right. Because, um, and well, that's we, and I would like to see the the study that you have that talks about what things could look like in 2030 because I think we have a, a bigger problem than 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 2020, and I think we do across the system. And so, um, I the
1: study, as I mentioned, I I responded to the email. It hasn't been completed because we haven't gotten information about the operational and the environmental. Um, Um, the hospital data. So we've asked for that and and certainly we could complete the report if we could get that information which has been our our, um, contact of Cochrane Hall has asked several times I think.
0: actually met with um, Rebecca and to, to request Definitely. that information. So I, I the, the scope of the uh, study, as we understood it, was to validate or to ascertain mechanisms by which our uh, I mean, Healthcare Health District could um, determine whether it was in your fiscal capacity to do a, uh, a 2030 seismically compliant uh, uh, re- uh, rebuild or whatever uh, you need the post year, rebuild or, or retrofit. The study, as you then asked us for data, or the data that you requested, was not relevant to that. The data was about operations and data about current strategies for AHS in terms of services and uh, plans around where services might be or what utilization is uh, in other parts of the system so as to suggest strategically what Alameda Health Hospital might be for AHS in the future. What we said to you was that is not the purview of the district, that is the purview of the AHS board. And in fact, what we understood was your study was intended to look at whether you could feasibly uh, retrofit or rebuild a hospital in 2030. I understood, or from the last meeting, you said that. Uh, you have some report of that uh, study, which I recall was supposed to be done by February, and that there was some communication that that was whatever you heard wasn't surprising. That's what I believe we had you said. Really, yeah. No, I so, didn't say so a report. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what Trustee DeVries is asking for us to be yeah. able to see. Yeah,
3: I, need I, can, to see I, for I ask our executive director who's here to respond to that, but we don't have a final, I mean,
1: I would feel uncomfortable really we Cochrane Hall to prepare, but to, and as I sent to, um, I sent earlier today to both of you that this report
0: would look at the strategy and the environment for Army Hospital in 2030, which I, I think is what you, some letter somewhere letter that hasn't been delivered is going to suggest there'll be a meeting to discuss Army Hospital and its um, position and role and, and how Army Hospital fits into the system. In twenty thirty. so is there a problem in
7: getting giving this kind of operational information if, if that's needed? That current information
0: that, that that's there? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, the, the The data, the, the requested data, is not within the scope of what was uh, planned for the uh, for the study. The, the, the data about what utilization is for various services for AHS, which is actually publicly available, is just asking for more operational data than we would disclose to anyone. Um, um, is not within the context. Of what they were supposed to be looking at, they were supposed to be looking at can they? What are the uh, uh, mechanisms and methods by which they can actually fund a retrofit and or and or rebuild in 2030? It has nothing to do with what is it, what is currently done. The, the data we can share is a utilization trends that we share publicly all along, which is that they are declining, and that. Uh, um, there are other elements of this that we, we, we pass along. You're
2: paying for study. They are yeah, study. Yeah, the study, they're doing it. they, are, they, are they are The scope yeah. of
0: the study.
7: You
2: yeah. And yeah. so that they're, they're not
0: maybe the case So we're not sure. The out of the, the, the dollars, dollars that come to, yeah. that, are, that are designated for Operations at the hospital, so we we them those dollars off to, the to, the, to conduct the
4: correct. Okay. And, okay. and
1: I that, that may be the case. I don't want to belabor that point. And if, if the information when that Coffman Hill was was you know proprietary or, or, or market related or something that you didn't feel comfortable sharing, that's fine. But then my question would be, if, if AHS can't share that information, then what would be the point of this? This, this ad hoc group to discuss the future if we're not going to be on the same page to share information. I mean, if, if I mean, the Alameda Health System feels that Alameda um, Hospital, which was um, clearly shared in a meeting with um, the Alameda elected officials earlier, that Alameda Hospital um, acute care beds the ED was going to close and it wasn't part of the future of Alameda Health System. If that's the case, then I'm not exactly sure what this ad hoc, uh, committee could possibly do because we were told that the that alameda Health system is not going to comply with the job policy
0: agreement and so, so that's um, where we are first off I, I just want to say i agree with you actually that information is should be shared i mean if it's public information anyway i don't see we, we have that's shared public information but I mean, yeah. what, what what the requesting for the study whether you whether we feel it's relevant or not if they feel they need it and it's it's not confidential but i think we should share it and I, I don't know that this board has indicated that we're not going to have acute beds in Alameda or an emergency room. We're in, a, we're in a very precarious situation, but I don't think we've made that. So well, I, I'm, I'm sure the board so, to okay. to the mayor of Alameda and to the Alameda City Council last week by Louise Fonseca. The Alameda health system does not have
1: acute care beds or in Alameda in, Alameda in the strategy. And I was not at that meeting but um, Mike and Debbie were both at that meeting and um, as well as the mayor and city council members. So.
0: Want to, do you want to absolutely. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. I'd love to clarify that. So uh, actually we had a meeting on Monday. Uh, there was a meeting between uh, the city council it's this a regularly scheduled meeting that occurs on approximately the quarter. Uh, and it was the mayor, uh, and City Council member along with the Alameda Healthcare District Board. Uh, I've traditionally uh, attended that meeting. Is this a public meeting, by the way? It is. Mm-hmm. It is a public so, meeting. On public notice? Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, uh,
3: yeah I
0: really, you know, according I to the you meeting minutes. I mean, I'm a little bit. Yes. So, you know, it's really about it the city, I mean, I
3: don't
0: think we'll notice it. Go on. They, so, you know, know, there is a public comment section, so, so it is a public meeting. In any case, uh, at this meeting, uh, there, there were several agenda items that were discussed and one of the agenda items was specifically focused on the SB90 project. And so at that time, the mayor requested that, uh, that uh, uh, the executive director for the district, Debbie Stevens, provide a report on what's going on and an update on, on, on the project itself. Uh, as part of that project, uh, she indicated uh, uh, her perceptions and, and, and her understanding of previous conversations that she's had with me, with Vivekia, uh, with us as a health system. Uh, as it relates to uh, the, the health system and the district itself, at which point she indicated that, uh, that uh, Alameda Health System did not value the, 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 the relationship or the, uh, uh, the continuous services of the, of the district or of the hospital, uh, in which I disagreed, but was asked to hold my comments uh, until she finished her report. And so when they finished uh, all that discussion where she indicated that uh, at that time the, the district uh, was concerned around the timelines and the, and the challenges that we've been having with the contractor, which are all true, which I've been communicating to our board here uh, in our retreat and have provided you with very detailed uh, uh, examples of what's driving some of these, uh, these, you know, these challenges and the complexities of the project itself. Uh, I was then given an opportunity to respond to, to the mayor as far as her concerns, who is, you know, is obviously very uh, concerned about the, the future of Alameda Hospital and, 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 and in her city. And I, I mean, she asked me, what is, what is your vision and what have you guys discussed? And I said, absolutely. We have had conversations with uh, the president of the board as well as the executive director to discuss and to talk about what the future health needs of the island would look like. And I did communicate to them that in those meetings, and in those conversations, it is true. We have communicated that we feel, based on demographic information, based on forecasted uh, future healthcare needs of the community, that we feel that healthcare delivery would look different than it wouldn't be in an acute care form. And so I said, so then they asked, well, what would it look like? And I said, well, based on what we've seen on the demographics, it's post-acute care, multi-specialty primary care, urgent care, ambulatory surgery, those types of services are the things that we're looking at. But at no point in time that we say this is what we're doing, it was to indicate that I, I was asked a question, I responded with, this is uh, the, the options. And this is what the market data shown. And they even asked, well, how do, you, how do you gather that? Well, based on information that's demographic and information that's available based on the community needs assessment. And and that was kind of the extent of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Which is also the type of of this issue. Um okay. This is my informational presidents report. (laughs) Um you know, I do do believe in, in in collaboration and in sharing information and i just think that to the best of our ability if we can provide them the information that they have asked for whether or not the staff feel it's relevant i think it should be provided as, as quickly as possible um and i i'm sure in, in, you know, enjoy my other board members weighing in also i would like to, the health district to share what it has from its preliminary report on the, the seismic retrofit or rebuild possibilities, I think we want to see that. I, I th- and this is all the more reason to have this ad hoc group start meeting as soon as possible. I mean, we we can't have this conversation in a, in a vacuum. It's too important. And so I think both, both both boards need to share this information. And I think we need to have a working group, which is why I sent the letter suggesting that we have a working group because I don't think we can make I don't think this board can make a good decision without all of that, uh, and, I, and so I'm gonna say this is very similar, or it feels similar to the conversation we had uh, earlier in the year uh, around Oak Care and Alameda um, health partners and I, my other part of my report was to report that that process is going well. That we've we've reached a point where the Oak Care docs and the Alameda Health Partner docs are meeting consistently. Trustee Hernandez, thank you for your uh, consistent efforts there and my, my less consistent efforts at being at those meetings. But you know, the, the information is being shared, the bylaws are being drafted, and I think that we're moving in the right direction. And I, and I hope that that same spirit of collaboration could be applied in this situation. And, and we'll have to make hard decisions, but we'll be making them with, with the information in front of us. So um, I'd love to have some other members um, chime in if you'd like. And again, this is an informational
4: item, technically.
1: I'd, I, you know, I'd add that
7: This was first brought to our radar in April of a year ago, um, 2018. And without the fiscal issues that we have at that time, even then the cost seemed high. But we were committed to not violating the JPA and moving ahead with it. One year later, in terms of like alternate suggestion or alternate Uh, a model or any of that, we haven't moved so much on that because we decided to go through one one avenue in terms of like then meeting with the community, what are some other
0: things that in the long run, though, are, uh, are, um, are, the responsibility for that
7: is until 2022 or so. The, so I just feel that if we get an ad hoc committee, there has to be some timeline and a very expedited timeline for something because you have to be like st- as and the president said starting a construction and if we have to call any other uh, um, construction company like Layton or the other, those things take time to do. So I mean, it's literally should have been done yesterday, but if we are going to do it now. It is happening. but it has to have, a we can't, uh, like if it takes another, Six or nine months to do it, then we'll be in that rush mode of having to decide again. So, so the composition of the ad hoc committee, the you know what, what's the purpose of it, what comes out of it, so that come April 2020 we have then the by which the the construction has to be done if it has to happen. There's either that's happening or there's a very good. Uh, alternative. Yeah.
0: To be clear, um, and I appreciate
1: your comment. I'm Go good. Yeah,
3: just you the next. No, I'm sorry.
1: Sorry. sorry, I was not. I'm fine. I mean, in response to be clear, in response, um, and I know that in twenty not twenty eighteen there was discussion at the retreat, and it, it took place in Alameda. And um, as you point out, nothing has happened except that we have not been able to enter into a contract with WebCore um, or with any other. Um, contract manager since that time and to your point the construction does have to begin April 2020 so um, just with regard to this this ad hoc committee the only objective and the only strict strategy and the only goal of this committee is going to be to comply with the JPA because if the construction doesn't start and if this committee somehow you believe that
2: we're going to persuade the community that um, the law that was passed in 2002 and the parcel taxes that have been paid since then for the
1: past 18, 17 years, and the fact that Alameda Health System has operated this system under the JPA, operated Alameda Hospital, and in um, and, and, and exchange has agreed to do this seismic. If you think that maybe the goal of this committee, given um, certain considerations, including the budget and including um, need to look at 2030 now. If you think that this committee is going to get together and decide that the JPA is not necessary longer or that the AHS can be um, get out of the requirements and their obligations under the JPA, then that's fine. I'm not sure that Alameda Health, the healthcare district is going to agree with that because we entered into an agreement with Alameda Health System in 2014 with the understanding that this 2020 but then 2020 seismic was going to happen. And if that's not gonna happen, which we've been told that acute care beds in media are not part of the future in Albeda, that's fine, and that may be 2030, but if that's 2020, if that's tomorrow, then we need to get that on the table right now because there will be um, actions that we'll have to take as a district to respond to that. So I'm not sure that an ad hoc committee is really gonna add any more um, description or substance or
0: information to the requirement for AHS to do the seismic as they agreed to in the JPA. Well, I think a JPA, pardon me, I think an AHA committee and sharing information and having dialogue can help us to be more collaborative and less combative. And it feels pretty combative right now. Yeah, so I I think your analogy to our two previous uh, conflict resolution processes is appropriate. The only way this is going to work is for us to come to a common understanding of facts, not have um, rabbit holes in terms of um, asking for information that don't deal with the primary issues around sustainability. Um, so I think a committee, it, I think your offer is uh, a good one and, and I think, uh, I, I hope um, that it's taken up. Uh, because ultimately, we're only going to resolve this through collaboration. The GPA, the JPA, which I have not read in great detail, a uh, a uh, in a great nighttime reading, uh, I'm sure does not assume uh, responsibility stays the same, that, that the system and the relationship doesn't change. It's static in a moment. I'm sure it does not bind us to unsustainable financial relationships, for example. So we've got to problem solve this together. And uh, our president has been gracious in uh, stepping out to offer a process in which to have an honest conversation. And I uh, feel strongly that that's really the only way we're going to get to resolution here. So let's stay focused. Do any of the members have
6: any comments right now? Um, Yes. Uh, You know, this 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 is uh, a pivotal moment in in this organization's history. You know, uh, uh, honoring a contract, honoring our word, yet honoring the fact that we are facing an existential threat. That our financial situation is a threat to our existence. So, uh, reevaluating everything. Is, is what is required of us. I do think that that that, that, that sitting across the table and having these honest dialogues just to, to, are, are, are key and critical. We've had success with them before. If such a committee goes, I'll volunteer myself for that committee. Thank you. Trustee Hernandez?
7: Yeah, I would like to just encourage everyone to remember that we are in a incredibly difficult time for all healthcare systems. Um, 30 hospitals a year are declaring bankruptcy now. I need to say that again. 30 hospitals a year are declaring bankruptcy. And that trend line is not changing. It's getting pretty scary. Um, So I'd like all parties to come together to have the conversation but you must be prepared to look at the context in which this is happening. This is not happening in a vacuum, and there is no us versus them. There's just we. We are the only answer to fixing this, and we are the only people that can answer the community of Alameda with some respect, caution, and candor of what's doable. And as much as everyone wants a certain kind of facility, I'd love to see it entirely rebuilt. If I had a magic wand, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't have that. And if it means coming together and looking at the realities that we have to operate in, that we have to govern, we must do that. But to call this out as an us versus them and some sort of betrayal, I really hope that that is not the direction in which we go. We have to take a very principled view of what's going on, honor what's been said in the context of the realities that we face today. So. Yeah. Yes. So even yeah, as we uh, even as we kind of think about you know getting another contractor and keeping those options open, and, you know um, the I help. So all avenues like that is what this is going to mean that really looking at all of the options. Um, it's it's us. It's we are, we are a system, and we have to like work through this, walk through plow through this together.
0: Anyone else, <laughs> <laughs> do, do <laughs> I, Can I can I can I move on with, with this? Uh, I, 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 oh, sorry, trustee Peterson. You know the.
6: Uh, I think the timing is really critical. I think uh, from what I know from other health systems, to build a new hospital. It's like a seven to ten year process, you know, they just start the whole thing and <clears throat> to go through the whole process of building a hospital, you know, re-
0: re- retrofitting or, you know, whatever. Yeah, From what's happening in other health systems, it takes, you know, seven to ten years. Mm-hmm. And then in the case of
6: the um, um, retrofit or of the kitchen or the redesign, uh, I think it's going to take six or nine months by the time you go through Rochebot and everything, uh, right? Yeah. so. If you have to have it ready by, start construction by
0: April 1st, is isn't it sure. Well, that process is but done. That's done. Yeah. So it's just a matter
6: of selecting the contractor and getting the price down. Okay. okay. But anyway, my, my, part of my point is that if you, that I think that this is something that we have to
0: deal with sooner rather than, you know, putting it off and it's not it's not just a retrofit, but I think if we're gonna construct a new hospital it's gonna take a number of years and then there's the whole bond financing or however it's gonna take place that has to be part of the process. Right. That's right. Okay, um, so that's my president's report. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the last thing I just want to report is, uh, and, and I can say this later, but on the consent agenda, um, item E4, it wouldn't be pulled from the consent agenda. Uh, honestly, um, it was probably my oversight when I was planning the agenda with staff to not have it as a freestanding item uh, and so I apologize to my board and to the public for that but obviously the conversation around our budget is one that we want to give everyone the opportunity to be involved in uh, it, it's, um, it, it's obviously it should be significant the finance has got a lot to talk about and I'm sure that'll be what takes up the rest of our hour tonight yes. uh, so uh, with that we're gonna move on and. Um, I'm going to ask our CEO to give an extremely yeah. detailed report. I think he will. Yeah, yeah. you'll be yeah. surprised. You don't even need to be all so I've us. been working on it. Yeah, yeah you're watching them. Yeah. 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 i Yeah, mean, most of us read everything beforehand. So, exactly. exactly. watch this. Watch this. See. So um, we've already seen this and if there's any questions, happy to answer them. I uh, just wanted to thank you for your support for coming to the data, those of you who can make it and miss those of you who couldn't. Uh, the foundation really appreciated. We hit a milestone. Our SART program, which is for Sexual Assault uh, and Resource Center, um, achieved a milestone. We raised $50,000 for that program. That was what most we've done for to which is really uh, great. And just remind you that we've started our capital campaign. Uh, or, I'm sorry, our campaign is not capital. For the EHR uh, which of which we have to raise another 30 million dollars and so maybe you have 30 million I will take checks uh, at the conclusion of this meeting But uh, I really appreciate any support you can offer for that uh, I wanted to show you um, that our uh, dental clinic had uh, their first uh, sealant uh, inaugural sealant day with uh, a group of uh, uh, residents and students from UCSF um, a health pack uh, resident whose mom happens to be an, uh, a nurse practitioner at East and my daughter's uh, uh, dinner, this happened to be on the same day. It was a really uh, wonderful day to be there. Um, just the diversity of the staff and the students and the patients. It was just really uh, kind of a pivotal moment to see like all we are as an organization. It's really great. Um, uh, Dr. Austin, who's the director of the clinic, told me that uh, on a routine Saturday when they have clinics, they have 17 patients that day. They had 33. so almost uh, double that number. And the second picture is uh, part of our, a, a, a mother and a six-month-old kid uh, who's starting her dinner. training that she's getting her first teeth in, um, a part of our Healthy Teeth, Healthy Communities uh, collaboration uh, with the county, and that's a part of our waiver, a small part of our labor, but an important part, and Dr. Austin's just a remarkable uh, champion for that. I was actually in D.C. talking to someone uh, a couple of months ago, and they mentioned this and, and actually spoke to how wonderful she is, so I got a chance to speak to this mom who was talking about why she does this with her kid, you know, the adorable kid, who I think I paid more attention to, but I did hear everything. i that. impressed so. with your website, man. <laughs> I, I I have practice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the governor's guys. I want to say a lot, they say there's a couple of good things here. Uh, he's extending uh, health care for undocumented immigrants between 19 and 25. They're delaying it a bit, but uh, are committed to doing that, which is wonderful. Also, uh, extending about $100 million for the Whole Person Care Program, which is to help with uh, complex patient population and housing support for them. Uh, concerning side for us is there's a continued effort to move forward with moving uh, the Medi-Cal pharmacy uh, benefit out of managed care and into people service. The risk for us is the 340B discount and we use the savings that we have from that to support a lot of other unfunded mandates and so there's ongoing discussions around that and uh, a lot of our legislators are aware of it and so uh, we're hopeful that there will be an effort to try to uh, address any sort of vulnerabilities that we present to 340B hospitals, particularly those in the safety net. Uh, On the EHR project, I meant to say our streak is broken after more than a year. Uh, We aren't uh, green anymore, we're in watch status. Uh, for the month of April. And so this is ethics individual report to us. And it was driven by three things, Uh, order set approval, rate was not where we needed uh, to be at this particular point, training recruitment and uh, uh, equipment deployment. I'm happy to say, obviously, a lot of uh, really uh, committed individuals have out around these efforts, and we're getting some great traction on moving forward, including our medical staff that have agreed to um, uh, add additional provisions. I think all have now, although I'm not entirely certain. So I'll be careful about that but I know at least one has committed to adi- additional mechanisms to allow for those orders to be reviewed in a food and expedited manner. Uh, training recruitment, I, again, want to thank our medical staff. Um, uh, I, we, I'm just saying quickly here because I won't mention any other slides. 100% in our specialist training specialists, which happened quite quickly. Uh, um, we have gotten up on, what's the second not the super user one, but there's another. Oh, um, uh, credential trainers. Uh, are we at 100% day too. Uh-oh.
3: Of
0: We're about three people away. Three people away. And then uh, super users were still about we eight hundred of those and we we're at about three or something, but almost four hundred. Okay, so we're almost, uh, we're almost halfway there, but we've got a ways to go. Anyway, more work to go. Um, I will invite our CIA to give you a uh, more detailed update every Time. I didn't feel it was fair to let him do it the first time we ran watch status. So uh, I would be the bearer of the lesson than ideal means. But I do, again, want to acknowledge that a lot of people are corralling around this and have to be with the progress we're making. So with that, I'll answer any questions. I won't go through any more of these slides. I, uh, I should say we're still ahead of budget on the project. Uh, we appreciate that. And- happening in 10 million questions we have. What mm-hmm. would the loss be the 4.3 or uh, I, I think we're projecting about $15 million on the an manualized basis uh, for an impact to AHS. 1.5 even. Okay. Yes. Translated 1.5 is I have a question about the performance
1: dashboard. Yes. Um, the,
0: um, I just Why to ask you, well, mean when um, 20% of the patients are being discharged from the ED without going to the admission means So, you know, we have uh, what we uh, 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 deem or what's termed virtual beds now. And so if a patient is in the uh, ED and is deemed an appropriate admission and there's not a bed available, the patient's converted to an inpatient in the bed in the ED that they are in. And if they continue to stay in that virtual status and in an ED bed uh, uh, over the course of their, their hospitalization, which in On average, I think other data suggested that it was a little over 24 hours or somewhere thereabout, or maybe a little bit under, uh, that they are then discharged from the ED, uh, although they were discharged as an inpatient and they never went up to the floor. And so we're getting reimbursed if they were an
2: inpatient and this is in compliance with all the requirements? from CMS and other payers. Well, that's
0: correct. What we have to do when we uh, admit patients as inpatients in a virtual status is we have to ensure that they're getting the same level of care that they would get in the inpatient status. So any admission orders and care that they're supposed to get if they were an inpatient are the same orders that we have to provide for them. And so they would be in a room and they have the same access to um, providers and the same they means they it's, the it's about the clinical care and so it's the orders that are, uh, are consistent with the plan of care. Okay. Or whether There's diagnostic therapy to go otherwise. But they have to make, we have to ensure that they're getting the same uh, uh, level of care that they would get if they were on the floor as they are in the It is clearly not the same in the sense that they may be a gurney. They're in the even setting. It is different than in, in the uh, inpatient setting. So it's not the same. But the so twenty percent. I mean, it just seems
1: like large number somewhere we only think 20% of ED patients that are not putting so of the 100% of ED patients that require admission 20% of those are, are staying in the ED uh, I that's, think that's how it sounds I mean I, I'm just trying to get clarification
3: I, th- I think I
0: don't know if that's the denominator I think the denominator is different I'm looking at Dr. Sandler to tell me what they're so I think another way of thinking about this is that patients who
4: are admitted may have their Um, I think another way to think about it as a hospital is that a patient who's admitted, um, if I have a panel of 10 patients, the amount of time they need to be an inpatient varies. And so not all uh, uh, inpatients need to be there for a very long time. So in this instance, 20% of patients um, get the care that they need, even before they need to get onto a floor bed. I, if I could, I actually want to
0: follow up, with, especially since Dr. Hussein has the mic, because I read I shared Trustee Jensen's concern um, and, and, and saw woven into this report mm. this throughput issue again, and, and it being based on the acuity of the patients that we have, specific, in particular uh, patients that are unsheltered and, and really can't be discharged, and I thought once again, there's this confluence of of crises that we're absorbing as a health system. And and, I just, if if Dr. Hussain, if you could expand on that, I would love to have that elevated speech cost estimate of what our bed throughput would look like and how many more patients we could serve if we could move people out of a hospital bed into a bed. Mm where they could recover um, when, you know, for those who are, who are
4: coming to us unsheltered. And I just think it's so important, um, so. Yes, um, I may have to defer to others in the room for a more expert answer on this. But I think uh, the narrative that um, uh, hopefully came out um, is that one of the challenges we're facing in managing the throughput is that the, patients who have social determinants that must be handled as part of the biomedical social issue is that um, even when the medical care may be complete to um, allow for a safe discharge, we may, disposition becomes a challenge. So the medical care may have come to a conclusion but they, we we can't discharge them because we have to address some of the social determinants issues. And if those individuals are occupying beds because of the social determinants of issues, it does create a challenge of getting patients in the ED into a bed available on the inpatient side. And I would defer to, and I know Dr. Jamaluddin, Tangerine, others in the room are intimately involved in this and could perhaps provide a little more data on that, but I think that's the overall narrative. You. You want, uh, this?
0: So, so we, uh, we try to look at the average length of stay and also at what we call non- uh, uh really invesible day uh, uh, or non-invesible days. And uh, I mean, the the, the metrics, uh, we, uh, the the cost, the cost per day is 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 about four five thousand dollars at least, and on average it can go up to ten thousand dollars per day. And if it is uh, not reimbursable you know, according to that, we we'll have we we'll have the cost of it. So I want committee. We have, uh, look, I think Lewis, it was a year time. Uh, yes. When, uh, how much was the totality of potential cost? For, for the total year of 2018, it was about $28 million. Okay. So, now. Mm-hmm. Say so that in the mic for everybody again. Yeah? <laughs> it's about $28 million estimated based on some of the average dollars and average cost. And the co this is a new... Um, procedure that we're we haven't observed this in past years so we don't know what oh, we're trending. No it's no, no, no we we okay This it has been going so worse. do you have a it's sense of the trend on that? Yeah so it's, it's not this is not anything new to the health system. It is something that we have seen continuously get worse.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so so oh, right
0: yeah, so, so it's just and be see, like, like, what would the cost number be last year, for example? Well, so when I, so what is it, we Well, just, yeah, we, I, I don't have that data, but what I can say is just specifically looking at, when we looked at calendar year 2018, and we are now, we've, we've captured the data, and we we're looking at the data for first quarter of 2019 mm-hmm. calendar year. So quarter over quarter, we have seen an increase already uh, uh, of at least 10 to 15%. So again, it it is a trend that is going in the wrong direction. So we're looking at that. Now, I I, I will say, and uh, to Dr. Malin's point, uh, you know, the, the, the throughput efforts and, and the work that's happening, I mean, you know, the team's working on establishing various contracts, there's a lot of work that's happening around this, and so, if you recall, I believe that uh, uh, we are planning to bring to the board and to QPSC a very detailed presentation that's gonna get into this whole conversation around avoidable Days, around our care management process, around how we're carrying in a throughput initiative overall. Yeah, again, I think your team is doing a phenomenal job of managing the impossible. I don't think this is anything to do with your your efforts. It's it's a problem that is bigger than than us. So again, 28 million dollars in 2018 that we lost to patients in beds, in hospital beds that really just needed a bed because they're unsheltered. 28 million dollars is a third of our budget gap. Roughly. That's how I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, it's a combination of the, of the or uh, a different level of care. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. three imminent mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. It's a like 3%. that we, right. I mean, we have to tell the county, we have to tell the world uh, that this is a huge net effect of homelessness and the dire need to invest more resources in getting people housed. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that... Yeah, so if I can just add to that, I think this will feed into our conversation later. Um, I think one of my observations serving on this board now for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half, is that we act as if uh, this system is an island. Um, some people act as if it's an island. And uh, we really are a county public health system in a county where there is a massive epidemic of acuity on the streets, homelessness. Uh, we just heard from John George employees about the massive impact uh, on their ability to provide safe uh, and effective services at John George. That's not unrelated. So that's a, that's not a but that's an input problem. People are not being uh, served, providing mental health services that are preventative, in our community at a level we need to have that happen and they're ending up at John George so that we end up being the system that has to then address that issue but it's a responsibility for other parts of the county the county in particular that is not being met so we end up having to uh, Deal it. it. Okay. All right. Uh, trustees any other qu and Tristan Jensen, thank you for bringing that for starting that conversation. Yeah, so that
1: I have just one more question for the um, CEO. And I yes. uh, at our last meeting we heard that um well in November of twenty eighteen we um, this board gave approval to enter into a
2: contract with WebCore to be the contract manager um, for the project in mm-hmm. And at our last meeting we heard that I think there were five bidders, and we decided to contract with Webcore
0: in November, and at our last meeting in April, we heard that Webcore was not, they, they weren't actually the best, um, the best contractor. So um, now that that contract has been um, terminated, I'm just wondering what the status
1: of the contract manager is for Alameda Hospital.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really spoke a little bit to that in the last meeting, but i ask asking to provide uh, an update to the question. Yes. So uh, again, what we we did, what we originally what we brought forward to the board of trustees uh, for approval with Webcor was the pre-construction assessment, as we were bringing the in as a construction manager at risk. That contract was a very limited scope in the sense that it was intended to help refine and finalize the plans that would then allow us to obtain the necessary building permits and get the project continuing to move forward. And also, as part of that process, to develop a guaranteed maximum price. As they did that process and as they went through that process, uh, we were evaluating everything and so when they submitted their guaranteed maximum price, the guaranteed maximum price was significantly higher than what the market would support and in comparisons to not only our, our professional estimators but also our uh, owner's representative or construction managers that we're using to evaluate and manage the project. And so we could not in good conscience bring that forward to the, to the board for an approval, recognizing uh, the, the inequities that are aligned with that with that price. So we at the same time then began uh, conversations with Layton Construction, who uh, is completing the project at San Leandro. We've had a very favorable experience at San Leandro. They've been a very good contractor uh, that has performed phenomenal work. And so we've engaged with them to Take that all that work that was done initially uh, and put together a guaranteed maximum price for us so we can go ahead and evaluate that and move that forward through this process we've been evaluating and we've been receiving um, uh, information requests from them as they're wanting to get you know, gain greater clarity uh, around uh, the project itself to make sure that we have a comprehensive price. And so we're working through that process now. It's going to take them several months to get that done, uh, but we are managing and monitoring that very closely, and we want to make sure that we have that in place. Once we have that GMP, uh, we, our hope would be that we have something that is uh, more aligned with our market conditions, and then we will plan to bring that forward to our uh, finance Committee for review and consideration and approval, ultimately, by the so, Board. Thank you. Thank you, Louise. That's exactly it. I was, I was anticipating that you were going to present, and I am just, it sounds to me, then I'll just confirm that there will be, there is a minor interest in the budget that we'll be looking at in the next, before the end of the fiscal year. And so but since you, we're not going to have a GNP, or we're not going to have any bids, and we're not going to be approving a
1: contract,
3: before
0: um, we approve the budget, I want to just ensure that this project remains in the budget, even though we don't have a contract. So as, as I speak this, this is a capital project, so it's not in an operating budget, it's in a capital budget. Which has uh, already been approved. Uh, for this year, yes. We have them to move forward with next year, we, we have a capital budget, it gets okay. when we do projects, or don't as the projects will allow, and then move I'm forward right. with, with next year. There's no, there's no funding necessarily guaranteed for the project unless it's in the budget for the year that we actually use it. So, right. so right. It's, moving, it's moving forward as a component of the capital budget unless and right. until uh, uh, anything changes. And the capital on. budget isn't something this board would be. No, it is. We're being in the capital budget. Right. Yes. Okay, come at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Budget Let's go with yeah. you. Yeah, okay, the ownership obviously is funded by the dollars that are generated from the EBA and or any other source that comes for those and like grant uh, dollars. In the case of $820 from Kaiser, was a part of it. This year we have... Uh, that's a part of our budget, but it's a, it's a budget that is, as you know now, $60 million, almost $60 million in the whole. So. And are you that it has acted as a prudent reserve as well as funding for of, of capital projects? It's acted as funding for capital and funding for debt obligations, locally no reserve. There's never been a prudent reserve. There's no reason to do it. I'm waiting for that word Okay you. Uh, thank you for your report. Thank you. Uh, board members, we're going to move, I'm going to do something a uh, little, I'm going to shift things around. I'm going to bump committee reports down the line. Uh, I'm going to ask that we approve our consent agenda with the removal of item four. Motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. All right, great. Before we go to item four, I'm actually going to uh, go to our action, uh, well now item four is technically in the, in the action agenda, um, but I wanted to just, because we've got some guests here that I don't want to keep waiting much longer because we're, we're going to be talking, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to jump to the uh, bylaw, health and approval for the medical staff bylaw, because I think the doctors probably want to hear that and then know they can go. Motion uh, to motion approve. Second. Oh, you oh, all in favor? Aye. Great. Um, and then I want to go- Thank you for the work. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for the work. Um, and then I want to go to our uh, uh, item two, appointment of members of the Alabama Health System Healthcare for the Homeless Center governing board. I think uh, Rangers are in the house. Um, and uh, I wanted to give uh, Dr. McGaugh the opportunity to speak to us briefly um, because this is exciting. I'm not a doctor, I'm just a manager. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) But
7: thanks. Um, So again, I'm Heather mcdonald Fine, I'm the practice manager for our Healthcare for the Homeless Center, which is um, part of how we leverage our FQHC funding. And through our recent HRSA operational site visit, we had a finding that um, provided us this incredible opportunity actually to build our own board specifically for the Homeless Health Center and just as a reminder the Homeless Health Center is part of the ambulatory is anytime a patient experiencing homelessness comes into our health system in ambulatory care when they're served that's part of the Homeless Health Center and so it's about 10% of our ambulatory operations budget patients and staffing and now we have a co-applicant board
1: that you guys will appoint tonight with any luck and they will be the governing board for this homeless health center and we have a fantastic Um, inaugural board, the co-applicant
7: board of nine members has a lot of experience, both in serving people experiencing homelessness, being unhoused themselves at various points in their lives or currently. They're patients of of Alameda Health System as well. Um, People from our community, a lot of them, I have a couple who were born here, right, so they really have a great love for Alameda Health System as well as a deep passion for serving the unhoused population in Alameda County. So we're really excited to have them and i have two of them here with me tonight
0: so i have derek sue and mark smith here who will be on our inaugural board yes good evening Uh, i'm derek Sue. i am the uh, current leader at a homeless camp here joe DeVries is familiar with my camp uh, 77th avenue rangers Uh, and
5: uh, it's i'm a third generation oaklander Uh, my family first came to the Bay Area back in 1872.
0: Uh, I used to work for the Department of Defense uh, under classified uh, uh, contracts. I became homeless in 2007,
5: uh, actually 2008, when uh, the uh, real estate uh, collapse happened. I was retired at the time and Overnight, I lost
0: three and a quarter million dollars in my retirement, so I literally lost my life, and that's what started my homeless uh, downward trend. Uh, eventually, ending up living on the streets, which I still do, uh, but also uh, in 2015, I was diagnosed with uh, colon rectal cancer, and this is the hospital that uh,
5: helped me through the treatment. And I continue to be uh, treated here.
0: And I love the place. Thank you. The way I came um, to be here tonight is I actually already sit on three other boards for a medical clinic um, that is certainly not as large as this hospital. Um, But it deals with a homeless population and deals with some of the same issues that you guys were just talking about. so, I, um, I was recommended by somebody to be on this board, and um, I was asked to be on it, and I, um, I had to think about it because I was on 300 boards already, and I was just wondering how much more of my time I wanted to commit to to, to this particular issue and, 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 and maybe not others. And so, uh, I only thought about it for only half a second, I said, so I'll do it. So, I'm here. Um, and I, um, and i um, I I was here earlier uh, listening to some of you uh, guys. About, uh, about some of the issues that you guys deal with the hospital, with the hospital uh, itself. And I, I was listening very to you about what you we were saying about um, Alameda Hospital. Because one of my concerns is I'm a Berkeley resident. And I'm active uh, politically, and I've been active with my mayor and my representative of my district uh, because, um, as you probably know, um, there's a threat for athletes to a- also uh, be closed. And, um, You know, we used to have food deserts, now we're having hospital deserts, and uh, that can't happen. Um, We have to do everything in our power to prevent that. Um, But as you guys were talking, I I also heard in there the fact that in order to probably keep it from happening, we're all going to have to make hard choices. Um, But that doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't mean that um, those hard choices may mean even though it may need, um, maybe remove some services. Those services don't necessarily have to be permanent, uh, permanently um, gone, just for the time being, until we can, um, until we can get our legs under us and bring those services back. So um, it doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. We can we can we can try to do whatever we can to try to roll with the countries and how effective we do that is gonna have a lot to do with how we survive. And um, and we have to survive because uh, there are people out there that depend on us. And as far as the homeless population goes, it is a growing population. And what's really frightening is that um, what we see in our clinics, and what I just see generally in my own lack of wealth, there's a lot of families. We only used to see single men, single women. But now, you have single mothers with children. You have single families, whole families, that are having this issue. And so, um, it's a, it's a top-down. Top down is everywhere, and so um, there's going to be a bumpy ride. But uh, I like to think that we can do something about it. And so that's why, and that's why I'm here, because um, I like to do everything in my power um, to try to try to help in any way I can. All right. Uh, thank, thank you both for joining us tonight and being so patient uh, while we discussed all these issues. I mean, again, I think it, that it, it all comes together, and, and I really appreciate you volunteering your time to be on that board. Uh, and hopefully, you'll send us some strong messages about what we're doing right and what we can, what, where we can improve. Uh, and yeah, uh, so don't be shy. Uh, Congratulations on your fantastic board. Uh, I have a quick question, so the, it's never quick, have a question, uh, for council. Um, would you explain to us how our responsibility related to, um, this establishment of the new, this new board? What's look like, where, uh, where's the stop and so forth? Yes, yeah, so, so I'll, excuse will start and, uh, I'll ask chime in i something so this board is being uh you are appointed as this board you and you're to be the fully you know with responsibility for what the board does uh the co-applicant board is charged with the responsibility of overseeing uh the programs the policies that designs so, no one can hear you mike i could that's something which is different than no one, <laughs> did 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 no one listening to <laughs> Uh, you, uh, so, so at least now they can hear me. <laughs> so uh it, as I started out saying, you know, we were appointed this board, so this board is responsible to you. Uh this board also, you know, has a um uh, works with uh, the county's health care for the homeless commission, uh, which is also a co-applicant board at the county level. The, the board will be charged with responsibility for overseeing uh, the, the policies and the practices and the operation of our health care for the center, health care for the homeless center, which is essentially a, a more formal designation of our health uh, care for the homeless programs you know, within the organization, and, and Heather will be the program director. <coughs> So they would receive, uh, they would be using their meetings to receive reports on, um, you know, how we're serving the homeless population, quality measures related to the health care being provided to the homeless population, they would be uh, reviewing and uh, making recommendations and approving a budget uh, for health care for the homeless um, uh, services, you know, based upon, the grant funding that we receive from HRSA. They would look at, you know, determining how well we're serving the homeless population, you know, and that could either be through, you know, their direct activities. It could be through, you know, other, you know, measures that we might use in terms of, you know, outreach. They would be considering additional programs that should be considered as part of our offerings, you know, for, you know, the homeless community. And they would essentially, you know, be the subject matter experts, you know, to assist this board in understanding how that element or that portion, you know, of uh, the community is actually being served. The, um, as you recall, when we uh, basically uh, established the uh, co-applicant board, you know, back in November, You know, they have a set of bylaws, a separate set of bylaws, and the bylaws, you know, basically they're the, you know, have a, a sort of a similar relationship between the bylaws for the county and the bylaws for this organization with one large exception. So we're appointing this initial board, but hereafter, the board will take care of Filling vacancies on it, and also filling out, you know, any of the uh, the initial uh, appointments to the board. Uh, there is also an agreement um, that we've approved uh, between uh, the uh, AHS Board of Trustees and the Co-Applicant Board. One of the first orders of business, the Co-Applicant Board will review that agreement to determine whether or not it meets their needs in terms of their, you know, view of uh, the charge that they have. Um, under their designation, once they've signed that agreement, then it, you know, covers some very basic things about, you know, <coughs> designated responsibilities for personnel, finance matters, you know, what the specific requirements of that board are, you um, know, those types of things. And so, you know, probably what we can do is we can probably recirculate that to you so you can re-familiarize uh, yourself with it. Anything Thank you. you would add to that, Heather? There's a specific scope of service
7: for the health care for the homeless and so it's the things that are only within that scope. So some examples of authority that they would have is only within the scope of services and the sites where those services take place mm-hmm. and then anything outside of that would not be under their purview. So an example would be John George. John George is not part of the scope of services for HRSA. HRSA is very specific and it's ambulatory care, it's primary care services and then it's only specifically for those patients experiencing homelessness. Right. There are a lot of things that we we probably do with an ambulatory care that are going to serve the whole population, and so we're always looking at how do we um, operate well for everybody who's coming into our system. And we're looking probably more closely at some of the clinical outcomes for patients
0: experiencing homelessness and trying to figure out how do we serve those patients better. <coughs> All right. Thank you. Um, so I'll entertain a motion to approve. Motion. Um, thank you uh, Hi. All right. Thanks, folks. Appreciate uh, I am going to just take this agenda all over the place. I think we should go right to item. Uh, uh, Mr. Chair, I uh, apologize. I was a little bit distracted. If we could just return to the previous action. I just want to be clear. F1. Um, uh, F1. I want to be clear that there's two
6: actions that the board is taking. The the first action uh, was the approval of the BHS medical staff bylaws and then the separate action was adopting the resolution which uh, continues the license application. So I right. I just wanted yeah. you know, I just want to be clear
0: Did well, understand that when you voted? Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. So I understood that. Okay, okay. Right. thank you. Great. Awesome. Uh, you know on on, on E four, uh, as far as the resolution goes, you know, because we're gonna have this conversation directly related to our budget, I think we can just go to G. Uh, and have that conversation, and then go back to E4 because people might want to add things to it at that point, which is fine. Um, so let's okay. let's roll. So while well, Luis uh, uh, tease up for this, I just want to provide a bit of context. Um, uh, I, I shared with one or two other trustees uh, in the past uh, week, uh, um, Teddy William and I had a uh, chance to participate in a uh, meeting with uh, the other leaders of safety in hospitals at uh, CFH. And um, um, I just want to make sure that you are know that this challenge that we're facing uh, in our local community is echoed throughout the state. And the, uh, a lot of our colleagues are facing uh, many of the same sort of uh, really critical uh, fiscal challenges related to some of the similar underpinnings around the waiver, and around, you know, the, the, the uh, inadequate reimbursement uh, for medical. cal uh, uh, Some of ours are a little bit more uh, um, sort of local in nature, driven by kind of the structure of the authority model and uh, what are sort of the underpinnings of that relationship. But by and large, uh, what we heard almost unanimously, not unanimously, but almost unanimously, is that a lot of systems throughout the are struggling moderately when they look at their budgets for uh, next year and for uh, the foreseeable future with respect to how to finance uh, care for the um, the, uh, underserved population uh, throughout the state. So uh, with that, um, Luis, as we are committed to you in our um, in the retreat uh, we will continue to refine some of the uh, um, uh, numbers and things that you asked us to look at uh, and uh, we did some of this with finance committee and we skipped that report but i think within that context we were trying to go beyond the report and uh, provide subsequent update beyond uh, uh even that to to do what we see so i'll turn it over to him to, to do that for you all right thank you, thank you so uh hey thank you bill thank you so it's again consistent with what you just indicated as part of your packet you have the finance report which one some detail the intent and actually our, our chair uh, who is also a member of the finance committee requested that we continue with these updates on a regular basis yes. and not wait till the next finance committee so therefore we wanted to just really essentially today show and share some of the continued progress has been happening as we're continuing to drill down on some of the information um, this slide here uh, recaptures assen- essentially what essentially was presented at the last meeting with better refined uh, numbers as far as how we're quantifying the impact of each one of these measures and so when we look at those uh, Uh, You know, we we have a range because it depends on how deep we go and what areas are affected. And so as part of this process, I've been able to share. So as we continue on, we've broken it down where there was a request at the finance committee and as we're continuing to get feedback from you uh, as it relates to what you're wanting to see and how you want to make sure that you're understanding the the, the impact and the complexity of the process. We've tried to break this down uh, in a way that gives you a sense of the count, the individuals, how they're impacted. So you have this information in your packets and there's additional details and they'll provide you some, some greater context. But this is very specific to the wage freeze and all those areas that we would be looking at, specifically uh, targeting just that population where reflected. Then we also talked about the furloughs, and again, this further just solidifies and ties back to the summary sheet that we had before. Um, uh, Again, uh, I wanted to just share with you all and present here that uh, we currently have contracts that are actively being negotiated and now open for discussion. However, we have others that are closed and we will not or cannot have those conversations until we get to that point. And so I wanted to just give you a sense of what's in the horizon as it relates to our fiscal year. Now, uh, as you can see, four of those uh, six open uh, in the early part of uh, next year. Which is well within uh, the, the fiscal year, so the material impact of that is is obviously in, you know certainly something that would have to be evaluated, recognizing that you would only realize a, f- a few months of the fiscal year and, and so wanted to just share that with you all. Uh, this is uh, just a high-level uh, overview of, of the benefit restructure as we're looking at the benefits. And so this is just giving you a sense of different scenarios that we've evaluated looking at how we could look at moving in this direction. Uh, just so some of the keynotes that I want to highlight, this only includes the AHM and the Kaiser Plan options. Uh, it is based on the calendar year because benefits take effect you, know, you usually have open enrollment in October-ish and then you have effect uh, January. So uh, this the calculations are based on calendar year. So therefore the dollars that are being reflected as saved are just half of the fiscal year beginning January 1, 2020, through June 30, 2020. Okay, so if, if we're looking at a total year's impact, you we'll would be looking at twice that amount. Uh, but we wanted to reflect on how this would have an impact on the FY20 budget. Uh, So those were the things that I want to share as far as it relates to those. Uh, And then lastly, uh, we continue with uh, uh, reviewing and evaluating all of our service offerings. Uh, In the last, uh, in the report, you have a very Uh, comprehensive list of all the various programs that we've looked at. We've then narrowed that down and we're continuing to do our due diligence on every single one of those, specifically starting with these that we've presented here. Our plan is to, at the Finance Committee, provide a very comprehensive uh, assessment of these services uh, to where then we can apply those to the criteria that we shared before, uh, where we're looking at not just the financials of the program, but also the need the, the, the programs and what's available in the community, things of that nature. And so we'll continue with that work, but this is just to give you a sense of timeline of where we're at as we're continuing to progress uh, through this process. So again, very, very complex. We want to make sure that we're very thorough. We want to make sure we're making very informed decisions, and so we're going through that, and we'll have these right ready in these days indicated here. With that, uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions. I
7: have
0: a question. Um, I, I'm sorry, I, but before you ask that, um, well, I don't know if you wanted to frame any of this, since as the finance chair, before Let's we open the questions, you know, or not, you know I'll, I'll just, I have some, th- some thoughts, right, I don't need to start. Okay, fine. <laughs> just even Sorry, as, just, my, yeah.
7: my question is, are we able to cut to anywhere near where we need to be? Because I'm looking at some of the figures, and it just, you
0: know, I just want to ask you. Right. So I think I've been uh, been doing a lot of uh, thinking about this, and one observation is uh, we need to uh, acknowledge that right off the bat, a lot of cost savings are not available to us. That's another way to say what uh, Luis just said to us around um, contracts that are not out for consideration. So uh, right off the bat, um, most of our costs are uh, labor-related, and those costs are not um, available for, for cost savings. Uh, that, if you start there, and then, you know, it just gets a little even, even more challenging when you look at um, other cost areas, like supplies. So you can't run a hospital without adequate supplies. You can't uh, skimp on. Um, prescription drugs. Um, so if we think of all the things that we can't look at or involve ourselves in, then we get to more and more narrow areas. And as far as I um, the staff is going to present to us is um, a set of options that relate to um, non-labor staff savings, uh, non-contracted staff savings, uh, in the way of furlough,
3: um, and, you know, I, I don't know the details yet, so it, we're talking about a day a month is one uh, reference
0: point I've seen, or okay, two, period, okay. um, and there are costs to that, so we'll have to ask questions about that. And then the other area, where the real savings is, as far as uh, I can tell, and that's really quite frankly, um, startling to me, because I, as the rest of the trustees on this board, uh, we serve as servants, uh, holy servants to this process. We're not here uh, <laughs> for any other reason to try to make things better. Um, and the last category, where the real savings is, is quite frankly, looking at business areas that are not um, producing revenue and actually are losing, cost, costing, or lost years for for the organization. All that language I just used is not really um, appropriate for a public health system, because there's not a service that we provide that is uh, frivolous and invaluable, uh, not not valuable. Um, So when we get to those services, we're going to have to make very hard choices, inpatient, outpatient, and they're big dollars there. So uh, I suspect that's Uh, where we're going to be. Um, I'll just make a comment as a chair of the Finance Committee. Uh, I was on a call yesterday, uh, um, so I wasn't in the room, but uh, with our CEO uh, making a presentation to leadership at Alameda County. And uh, there's a sense that uh, uh, leadership at the county um, wants, to, and it's understandable, uh, wants to be deliberative, wants to gather more information, uh, determine uh, what the context of this crisis is, and uh, before they make any any decisions about where, whether and how much they would, would be involved in trying to stave off change. And I'll make this editorial comment. Um, in other counties where the health system is is run by the county directly uh, by the board of supervisors, they wouldn't be going through this sort of game of chicken that we seem to be stuck in. Um, they need to do their uh, due diligence, completely understood. But we need to pass a balanced budget by the end of June, and the end of June is right around the corner. So um, the there may be some, some mitigations to that uh, that we can impose on ourselves. Uh, some incremental change that we make, assume in our budget. But we've got to make, we've got to pass a balanced budget. Uh, and if we don't know uh, if the county wants to participate in mitigation to cuts, it leaves us with a very, very difficult decisions. So I think that's the context. I would be glad also to, if it would help, to uh, remind us all of how we got here, what the areas are that are challenged. I took some notes for myself. Give me a second. I'll pull those up. Get to them. Here we are. So there are primarily four areas, um, sorry, three areas that uh, constitute the reasons for our financial Um, headwinds that we're running into. The first is declining patient revenue. Part of that is sort of self-imposed. We had, uh, early last year, uh, projections for uh, FY19 around that patient uh, revenue that were inaccurate, and uh, caused within this year's budget a uh, bubble
3: of uh, around 27 to $29 million, and that gets moved forward. Uh, But there
0: are also other uh, revenue challenges uh, related to what's happening with Medicare and Medicaid. Staff can talk more about that later. The second reason is uh, declining and unstable supplemental income. So the declining supplemental income relates to Um, clear indications that um, the feds uh, and and the state uh, folks are going to pass on uh, a determination to save money in health care on the public health system. As uh, our CEO mentioned earlier, uh, we're not the only public health system in this crisis, uh, and that's not by mistake. It's, uh, there's a devaluing of health care for the poorest and most vulnerable. We see acuity increasing in our system. At the very same time, we see an increase or decrease in the amount of supplemental income that the feds want to pass on to us. And I'd say the state, the state is more about their commitment to make up a deep, difference. Finally, and how much is that? I'm sorry. The, the $27 million was declining patient revenue. Right how much is attributable to the? Well, the 27 to 20 million percent okay. okay. was okay. a projection issue. Oh, percent. No, million. No, million. was a projection issue. But it continues. And it continues. Okay. It rolls forward to the next year. Okay. Oh, so, but that's, that's not. A, that's, that's a Thank you. In this budget, budget. But but it's $27 million. Million. Yeah. So declining supplemental income and unstable supplemental income. So a way to think about that uh, category is Measure A, for example. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I go back to my old room heights, but Measure A is at its highest peak since it passed in terms of how much revenue it's passing through to AHS. No, know that if economies don't stay static, we'll, we'll have a downturn. Slide, we refer to that as an unstable supplemental income source. You can see $20 million to $25 million decrease, as we did in 2009, in that source coming through to us. Two point five billion. Trustee Jensen, that's not part of the pie that you're drawing, because that's unstable. I think it's the declining supplemental that's more significant in this budget year. Right. And that's around the waiver? Oh, so there's no way to quantify what the $80 million. That's why I think. For yeah. measure A. I'm getting a very broad. Trustee, yeah. yeah. she coined, she is talking about a future, you know, concern about measure A revenue because of the sales tax base. But, but in this year's budget whole, it's not unstable supplemental revenue. It's actually declining supplemental right. revenue, And that's that's a total of... And I'm being, uh, it's roughly about the same amount, about $30 million or so, but I, 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 we could get the exact number. I think it's probably okay. in a different presentation. I'm right, yeah. yep. And then I think really, we haven't said much about this to each other, but I just want to say it out loud that um, we are in a system that is um, seeing a decrease in revenue sources. We are not a taxing authority. We have no ability to raise our own revenue. Staff has told us there isn't a strategy that uh, they can put together that would involve collecting additional revenue. And at the same, very same time, there are massive increases, that's my word, there are significant increases in costs built into our labor contracts. And quite frankly, a lot of those costs have to do with recognizing market forces that we have to pay people to be able to live in uh, the local area to do a job here. And there's incredible inflation um, in terms of salaries and benefits just generally in the marketplace. And we have to do our best to keep up with that. There's also inflation in those categories I was referring to before. And supplies that we can't, again, we can't say, oh, we just won't buy hospital supplies, pharmaceutical, uh, bills are going up for us on and on and on so these are the part you know if you get to the capital side construction costs are out of control yeah. in the bay area uh, it wasn't surprising to me at all that web court came back with numbers that we couldn't live with it's really common right now to have out of control capital costs so we, this is the environment we're in mm-hmm. i was just thank you. i'm now on finance so i was just trying to understand the eighty million dollar shortfall up and um, answer a little bit. Can I ask a question? This is to um, Maria Hernandez, Trustee Hernandez's point about um, making cuts. And I I do tend to look at the finance meeting minutes
2: and I try and pay attention when I can. Um, I just was wondering, with the record that I was noticing that we spend over the past couple of years about 20...
1: 15 to 20 million a quarter for um, EPIC. So has the finance committee or the leadership ever looked at ways to about eliminating or reducing EPIC in order to cut
2: costs, since that's the um, primary discretionary outlays right now?
0: Well, Sorry. Can, I, can I answer that? Because <laughs> we did look at EPIC, and we were told, in fact, at the retreat that we could uh, a partial implementation and not provide Epic at I think some of the clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, persecuted. 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 Right. Mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's a it's it's a um, a it, 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 it doesn't save that much money and b it cripples the system to to not provide the outcome that we made the investment in because all of our providers won't be on the electronic health record, so they'll be you know it it it, 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 it Really impacts population health because you can't track uh, you, you can't track people across the system in the same way, and it, it, it impacts those providers who are still using paper in some areas. Correct? Uh, yes, I think that's correct. I, I mean that is correct. Um, and, and, and my question your, your, your unanimous vote was that was not an option you wanted to explore. I just want to correct the record. Though I, I mean I, I happy to go back and look at it, but I'm, I'm a little I'm, I'm doubtful that we're spending 15 million a quarter on that.
3: Okay, I'll just
1: pull that. up the minutes from the Finance Committee, in um, December. Yeah. Basically, we talked about um, September, October, November, December.
0: There was nine million in training, and then another. Maybe it wasn't quite
2: 20 million. Nine million in training, uh, hiring of 40 or somebody, some amount of people. But I I apologize, as I said, I'm not on the finance committee, but I was just trying to get to other areas that cuts might be made, but obviously um, we
0: discussed that. I'm um, briefly at the retreat, so I guess, you know. So, and just to, uh, um, uh, so for uh, the, the total 10-year total cost of ownership for the project is, 200, uh, is roughly $200 million. A mm-hmm. um, uh, big portion of those costs are actually our own costs for the staff to actually build uh, what you've been hearing about over the last year, uh, to build the product and um, uh, implement it, and a lot of the costs that will incur Uh, um, sort of in the next couple months are one-time costs in terms of training and go-live readiness, and then beyond that we just have to be maintained to uh, operate the system and maintain the system, as well as in the uh, subscription costs for using the system. But uh, I think it's important to note that uh, over the year plus almost two years that we capitalized the cost, um, you'll recall that about probably 75 to 80, if not north of that, percent of the staff that are on this project were staff that we redeployed from already being on our legacy system. So it wasn't a net increment in cost. It's a cost that we were overcapitalized for a while that. Now come back into it,
1: right? Exactly. And we have a few capital costs,
0: like the leases for the building and some of the. No, mean, you know, like the that. staff that the staff that have been involved in Epic will move to our capital expense yeah. and off of our regular operating. Right. Uh, they're going to be moving back because right. they work for us now. So, I mean, they always. They always, they always. Yeah. But, but they, Yeah, and that was the other third was the increasing labor expenses. So it's declining. Declining an unstable supplemental reimbursement, declining patient and increasing labor expenses that contribute to the 80 million million shortfall this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, declining, uh, declining supplemental. Maybe staff can say more about the 1115 waiver and what that. Sure. Happened. Yeah. So, so the the, this, uh, the waiver uh, is a five-year waiver. We're in year four of the waiver going into year five, uh, the waiver was designed to decline precipitously in the last two years. We've talked about that for a a while, and and so we we knew that was coming, but the the, the fact is now we're we're actually putting in the budget that that's actually happening. The other piece was uh, over the last couple of years, because we knew it was coming, uh, through CAPH and at what mainly CAPH, we've been working on other avenues of supplemental funding that were designed to sort of close that gap or to replace those costs as they declined, and order that uh, you've heard, QIP quality improvement project, EPP, the enhanced payment program, and the uh, uh, Medi-Cal GME, uh, which is not quite approved yet, but we've been uh, uh, budgeting for it, um, that, that, that those numbers um, came in a lot less than what we were hoping to get, uh, so that they're not uh, sufficiently closing that gap. Uh, so that, that's really uh, uh, what, we're, what we're now realizing. Um, Were those programs cut, or did we overestimate? No, they were designed to, when they they were conceptualized, they were designed to be a a larger supplemental program. Uh, And as they've gone through the levels of approval with CMS, uh, they they have been cut down. um, uh, Before they are approved, but as they've been going through the approval process in various stages, the size of the opportunity has been reduced uh, dramatically.
7: Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around the, know, the question that um, Trustee Hernandez asked, mm-hmm. even calculating all the ways that you're cutting the costs mm-hmm. and what we need to uh, you know, fill that gap, deficit gap. Mm-hmm. So right now if it's a 1.48% bidder, we are looking at about 64.5 million, but we've, if we go to like 2.5 or 2.3 or something, it it's up. 80. It's about, Mm -hmm. so so anywhere between 65 and 80 is what we are looking at. So despite, you know, these are still very
0: minor.
3: Yeah,
0: Yeah, I also want to clarify that um, the the gentleman who on the table here said that we have a one-time problem. We actually don't. Hmm. This is, uh, we don't see any. Sunshine on the horizon that uh, the trending and supplemental in particular is is troubling and and costs are continuing to increase. So um, we got to deal with this coming year, but there isn't, uh, let's get through this year and then it gets better um, condition. One thing you didn't mention was dish. Uh, yeah, sorry. So part of the cuts in the waiver uh, uh, were um, expected to be due to declining uh, DISH payments. So uh, the, uh, one push on the waiver is the global payment program, and it's a combination of two funding forces, uh, sources, one of which is DISH. And so we stayed those cuts off so that the cut or the drop last year was less because it got pushed out a year, and now it's compounded. So now we get the compounded effect of the push-out if it goes effective in this federal fiscal year. We're working to stave that off, and if it does, as it, it, it uh helps us to the tune of about I mm-hmm. think uh also another fifteen to twenty million over about so I think that's right. Is that mm-hmm. I'm looking at Terry to see if he's nodding. it would be we would twenty one million if our But is that twenty one is annualized, right? As a compounding from Yeah but if it's the one-time cause, we about 11 million. Got you. So, so do you know about that, that idea, uh It's whenever Congress takes action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we feel the same way. Uh, there's, there's, there is bipartisan support for it, but there, I mean, it gets caught up in the whole... Yeah, yeah. 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 So... Oh, okay. sorry. So, so the answer, I'm sorry, I wanted to say, uh, I, 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 I think what, what Ch- Trustee Superman was trying to say is we don't believe we can cut ourselves out okay. of the hole. But all we can do is make the whole smaller by making the organization smaller.
7: I, I surmise that from looking at the data, if I may just make this comment, because I don't know what else to offer at this point. You know, I, I think we should hang the flag outside of down. I think we need to have a press conference. I think we need to call an emergency meeting with the Board of Supervisors. I think we should call Governor Newsom. I think we need to do something pretty radical. And one of the that I'm concerned about is even this exercise of trying to look at what's to cut when you know from all educated guesses that there's really not a way to cut yourself out of this. The only other option I can think of is to say can we come to some place where we agree to cut half of this and go to the county, go to others and say we're going to need you know half of this figure to be provided to us. Because Honestly, you may want to spend hours and hours and hours looking at programs and programs to do this and that. But if the fundamental answer that you're giving yourselves today, May twenty third, two thousand nineteen, is that you cannot do this, and so the exercise of just running the numbers again and again makes me very anxious. What what I would prefer to see is a little more, um, you know, specific. Um, you know, targeted campaign to say to the, the public, this is this is a crisis. Mm-hmm. And and um, we have to go back to the county, we have to go to the state, we have to go elsewhere to the public and say, this is what's really happening to our hospital. Because uh, I'm worried about, you know, the exercise of working for this and looking for that. You're not going to make up
3: the $80 million.
0: See, I, I, I wonder, though, if I may. Uh, there are several ways to look at it. And when I started to look at the specific programs that were, uh, you know, contributing to the negative uh, reimbursement, I, I started looking at them, and I thought that there are stories that go with each of those mm-hmm. about the about the service that it provides to the community, to the county, to the city, cities, and that if we could you know, put that together in the right way, it tells its own story. But well, you know, you can, you can do the top down where you say, you know, we have supplemental cuts and we have global cuts and so forth. But when you get into the services, you know, like for instance, I, you know, psychiatry, uh, I think between the two, it's like $15 million. I I would maintain some of that is, a lot of that is tied into the social determinants that we were talking about earlier, okay? Uh, A lot of it can be measured, you can look at administrative days. Uh, The Sheriff's Department made a decision about eight or nine years ago. They closed their inpatient services at the county jail. Uh, They, as I recall, they uh, entered into a contract with uh, Santa Clara County. And somehow now twenty-seven percent I think it is or over twenty percent of the beds at John George are used by criminal justice clients, right? And so the question there so the first question I have is are they paying their fair share? If we looked at their contract, are they are they paying so that they don't contribute to nine point seven million dollar deficit? In, um,
5: you know, so you, you can look at that. You can say, uh, are the Medicaid rates adequate? And
0: how much of the deficit is the Medicaid rates? Mm-hmm. How much is Medicare? You know, you can, you can go through that. Uh, the issues with uh, um, the ER, with the the way the uh, the state unbundles the rates, and private insurance companies don't pay that because it's unbundled. Mm-hmm. Um, we can tell stories, and uh, that's just psychiatry. And I think we can go a number of, these. and I think. It, that becomes a more compelling story because now you're talking about the citizens of alameda county and you're talking about the dilemmas that we are in that transcends all of us anyway. I, I appreciate the sentiment and and and, and, and i'm sorry I appreciate the sentiment and, and welcome the, the guidance um, I think for us it, it is at that point I, it, we we're, we're, Every time we talk about this, one, I, I try to repeat a couple of the things. One, the budget is a tool. It is not. It's what, what, it, what this is about is quality care and uh, our great patient experiences, it, it, uh, eliminating disparities and all that. Um, we, we fret during this time frame because the budget seems to take precedence over everything and people tend to think that that's what we care about when it's not. Uh, but it becomes this Existential crisis for us, and not every year. This year is obviously clearly a, a much bigger outlier than at least in the four years that I've been here, and, uh, and it's problematic. Uh, we're in a actually a reasonably good economy where unemployment is low and we're putting forth some things that would only impact a portion of our workforce, but it would be a portion of our workforce that if any of them, I mean, they have families, they have lives to support, if they have options, they're going to leave. We're not going to be able to uh, sustain individuals when they have very tough personal decisions uh, and commitments to have to deal with. Uh, And then back to uh, the point you were just making, so when you get beyond, I mean, we're talking about services, it really is. It's tough for us, and we're trying to take the measure approach that we described, which is we recognize that given the complexity of our sort of um, IT infrastructure, in the current state, there is still, I, I, I want to be clear, and I've said this a lot of times on record, there's still some opportunity that we know we have to improve our revenue cycle, and there's some chances where we may be leaving things on the table because of the complexity of what we have that we believe will be further closed when we have Sapphire in place. With that. Is that opportunity sixty million dollars by no stretch of the imagination? Yes. We are a system that, by virtue of the pay mix that we have and the way that, that uh, those services are reimbursed from those various payer services, the largest of which is MediCal, we're designed to lose money. And we fight from that point, which is as Eric Murray described to you all, from that point forward to close that gap. And some years we do better than others, and the cumulative effect is over time the burden becomes. What we see now, so so I totally agree with both of your points. Uh, I would love some some guidance and some support on how we can make this case to uh, people who are in a position to to uh, um, support that and to uh, figure to partner with us to try to figure out what we do to address some of these, these real significant and I think existential issues for us. Mm-hmm. So I was going to just, just follow up. I don't think these things are exclusive. Um, the reality is that we have to pass a balanced budget. But we also can control the process around how we talk to the community about what's happening. Um, But we do have to pass a balanced budget. And um, I think that is going to have to involve finding savings. And you know, the reality of the budget is you can always amend it later. Um, if other parties decide, if the community decides, that the things that uh, we've decided to remove from uh, our service or pay are so valuable that it's untenable for us as a community to remove them. Um, I think it has to kind of look like that. Yeah, my question was... okay. No, no, I make
7: sure you get the chance to yeah. speak. Because, you know, we know what the situation now is, and you said that, you know, come three weeks from now, four weeks, at the Finance Committee meeting next, and then you get the round two that's, that's happening. So what, what are you kind of thinking of like differently that you will be like you said there might be revenue streams that you there are revenue no things you can but this the one two of your budget review where are you prior like, is that how tell, tell me a little bit on the primary results. as hard as it is what
0: it is that you'll be uh do I this yeah, so, uh, so a bit more so actually I, I asked the same question which probably doesn't give you a lot of reassurance. Uh, uh, and I, I acknowledge that it was like what next? Um, I am you know, I sometimes a bit too open, but um, uh, no we're we coming forward this will actually be our third round of presenting the budget. We've always presented it with it's it's not a balanced budget and so the likelihood is in in, in three weeks unless unless until there's some something to schedule. And then when we first started this effort we were, we were forecasting over, uh, roughly about $100 million we have dropped that by about $40 million through the first round of our efforts we've gone through now or uh, we're in the midst of and, and next week will be a very heavy week of intense second round discussions with a lot of our business units around how else can you close that gap and what we've said to people is don't just close it but tell us what you're doing so that we may we may not reflect that we're basically accepting that you have the gun but we're going to capture that this is a consequence of what you're doing. So we know if they're telling you, I've closed the gap. I'm going to tell you this is how I've closed it further. Uh, uh, and I'm and I'll probably say to you, as I've said before, that I'm concerned about quality and safety uh, uh, with, with much more. I feel like my staff and our leaders have done quite a lot to do to get us to where we are. And absent doing something, where I'd rather, if we're going to do anything cut services and return the quality of what we do do instead of cutting across the board and making everything just untenable for everyone because I feel like that's actually just going to pop back up, right? So we, we say we save costs on furloughs and benefit changes and all this stuff and then we're going to spend a bunch of dollars recruiting people because we have ridiculous turnover. Um... The rail is down, and slowly safety incidents and other stuff start to happen more. That's that's what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, responsible question is: I think we're going to be able to come back with a budget that may have some um, modest improvements from what we currently have. I don't think we're going to come back with a budget that is at one point four or 2. Uh, uh, 2.8. But yeah. it may be at negative four.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that would be a stretch. Thank you. And that again, there's a good, yes, you know. We're negative six. We do keep hearing things like the AWI. I won't get into all the details around that, but there's some issues that are impacting all of the state of California with uh, Medicare rule changes, and it impacts us as well. So we have to occasionally, when we go into these discussions, we say, take off such and such on revenue because something else is likely to happen in the federal budget or state budget. And when you say negative 4, <coughs> that's 4 points, each point 10 million. That's right. So that's why I say negative yes. 6, because that's mm-hmm. where we're at, which is 60 million. Yes. So, so, that, so that's called the But that doesn't the balance? Doesn't yeah. then the decision yeah. to recommend actually closing specific services that are that significant Structural deficits. I mean, even though it's inconsistent mm-hmm. with our mission, okay. Yes. And, and I, you know, and perhaps in looking at that, maybe is it isn't something we do July first, okay. But we say we only we only have enough funds to we're going to keep this program going for the first quarter or the, the second quarter, and barring any first month, yeah. yeah. Well, got, yeah. but hear me out, so that. Uh, let's say you have a pro- I'm making an You have a program that represents a structural deficit of uh, fifteen million dollars a year, and you say, "What we're going to do is we're going to fund it for six months, and then we're not the last six months we're not funding it. It's going to have the program going to have to be closed. It gives us plenty of time to look at all the options that are available." and uh, and po- other possible funding sources, and then you have got a seven point five million dollar gap. Yeah, yeah. Right. But so but he, I, I I do think that it's such a it's such a large deficit. Yes. Okay. I think it's such a large deficit to to take it. You know, we, we can't take it out of salaries. There's not enough salaries, mm, but, and still retain staff. Yeah. Can can we? Um, look at the top 10 loss leaders and how much each of them costs as a, on a current basis yes that's that's exactly what we are doing and that's what we're bringing back to that's what i thought and you have that you in your I Let me just say one more thing, I, mean, I know I sound like Chicken Little, but um, it's kind of my job as chair of the uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really don't. I, I don't think that helps to overreact. I really don't. Um, so I, I'm trying to be thoughtful about this. But, you know, the reality is um, we don't have any means to get financing. We can't print money. We can't finance. And we don't own anything. And, and we don't own anything. Anything that we can sell to. In Transfer into the services. Therefore, if we go halfway or partway, I'm not responding yeah, to yeah, this yeah. strategy. Actually, makes sense. But if we pass a budget and we sort of wink and nod to each other, you know,
1: maybe a miracle happens. Uh, the the time that um, and not all We can Thank in, for for the we you know
0: the <laughs> 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 yeah, we, we, we can't be in a situation where in September or next February we are on clip you know, in, in, in deep water. I mean, that would be even worse. So I'm just for, you know, foreshadowing the hard difficulty of this decision. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of options. We've got to we got to make a hard set of options. I just see a lot of hard decision making uh, ahead of us from mm-hmm. Jim.
1: Um, can I just ask you,
0: Luis um, or um, or the CEO? So,
7: and these options are under consideration. I, I, what is the total in here that? This is being
0: presented to the board, and we've already discussed that we don't have a lot of other savings. So what in what,
2: what, these options say that all these options bring from what would, what would be the impact on the budget deficit?
3: So right. on
0: services? Uh, no, she's no, talking about, about this. So <laughs> the options. <laughs> we, uh, so the summary page shows you ranges, and the associated right. pages show you right. different gradations, and they're just right. ideas. So, so just, you can just give me one number, that'd be great. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not looking at it, but I see you have it there. So it's just on page four. Three and right. Four hundred two, two and four hundred three of the and sure. Left like left. 16 or we, okay, so tonight we're moving at sixteen million. So where? Yeah, and, and then yeah. I guess yeah. what you're saying is that the rest of it's going to come so from the finance. So so the those, the out, those are patient, okay. outpatient. Oh, that's yeah. in the HHS committee packet. Yeah. So you want to talk about the, the actual theft? You yeah, have right an here. Yeah. 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 Psychiatry, yeah 5. 5. psychiatry. Yeah, it's not on the slides. In your packet. Yeah, it's in the packet. In medicine, Good.
7: Five point so five
0: million. So somebody added up. Yeah. So I mean, forty-six point seven. 46.7. Okay. So that, you know, would, you know, that the would the be patient that, that that patient. that would be eliminating psychiatry. Psychiatry, medicine, women's health, cardiovascular, neonatology, and, and cancer. cancer. That's forty six million dollars. Okay. And then that 44 amount that's not all that oh, different on the and, 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 and be clear, that's, that's those would be uh, uh, annualized costs. And so, if you don't do something at the beginning, uh, and and obviously with any of this stuff, if you're doing something that substantial, there's a you could build up period to actually well round us to say wind down period that would actually occur. So you, again, you have to cut more to get more uh, because you're not going to get it all right away.
3: It sounds like for that?
7: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, so, yeah. I, I wonder, do, do we get out in front of you know all those stakeholders and speak to the stories behind each of these. So you know my assumption is that you know we've already talked a little bit about psychiatry, but women's yeah. health, cardiovascular, me and get an answer. You know if we tell the story of what's going to happen to our community by not serving that population. Um, we're talking about 15,000 cases when I add that figure up right at the bottom, if I'm understanding this correctly, but there's 15,000 cases that are reflected in those particular lines of service fees. is that right? So, you know, that's gonna have a lot of repercussions. And here's one suggestion. May I suggest that we break down the 15,000 cases by each board of supervisors district. <coughs> Let me suggest that because when you're looking at the impact, it's possible that these cases rest in certain supervisors district more than others. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I do. I- <laughs> But,
7: but well, wait if they I, represent that region yeah. that is going to be impacted by this, I think they should know. Yeah. And if, there was, if their constituency is going to come out and say, hey, wait a minute, we don't want you to do this, well, you know, you're giving people a heads up.
0: This is going to happen. So I think uh, this is a good segue to maybe hey, give it... Uh, ask uh, staff to put some elements together that are necessary for us to consider uh whether where, where we want to make these cuts and how we want to make them mm-hmm. one of the elements would be um, the impact across the county sure uh what their elements I, I i would suggest it would be helpful for the, the finance committee to get a report back with some that make sense just yeah. suggesting yeah uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm having a weird reaction. I'm sorry, Trustee Hernandez, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, sorry,
3: i oh, am
7: it feels. I'm asking a question. Uh, I it, this it,
0: affects certain, of course it does, okay. of course it does. We know our population is in the poorer parts of the county where we have pockets of poverty. We know that Oakland and Hayward are more impacted than other, Absolutely. other. I, 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 it just feels a little too personal when you break it down by supervisorial district. But because um, I, I believe that all of our supervisors share our interest in public service and serving the public, and so I prefer across the county estimates, not. Not by district. No. I, but yeah, totally.
7: Maybe a misunderstanding. I'm saying that this is going to disproportionately impact the, the supervisors' districts.
0: Yes, that is true. Okay,
7: and I'm asking, shouldn't we give them fair notice?
0: Okay, All right. It, it, I heard it a little differently, okay. but fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I have a question. I have a thought. Um, at this point, do we move from item G into item E four? because now we're talking about what message we're trying to convey. So exactly. Do we need to like tweak it
7: a little bit? Yes, and Add sir. something more that
0: came out of this. Uh, anyway, if we, uh, if yeah. I if mean, if I may suggest, I don't want to. Uh, uh, I was trying uh, to get aside here tonight, and I, it I apologize. It. I don't know It's a no apology. Just over me. I'm Yeah. And this is important. Um, I will say that, uh, that to your point, I, and I know that the board uh, is very thoughtful and conscientious about this. Uh, that we we are. Uh, uh, Attempting that, and I think having conversation with the county to see what relief or support can be provided—not on a one-time basis, but a structural basis. Uh, we appreciate, as as Trustee chiefman said, that this is this. There is an appropriate amount of deliberation uh, that needs to occur, and we'd love to uh, so sort of collaborate in that effort. I think that. Uh, one of the things that we tried to convey is uh, that maybe that time should be enabled, and one way to enable that time, especially looking at some of the bigger asks that we or ideas that we put forward, is to say we recognize that the way that AHS is financed on a year-to-year basis is via the Consolidated Treasury. And so we have a permanent agreement that talks about what our debt limit is and needs to be. Uh, That agreement uh, um, uh, basically caps the amount of of, uh, reliance we can have on the consolidated treasury. We could uh, um, uh, sort of put a... And stop that measure in place that would say we'll relax or suspend or whatever it is in terms of that agreement at least for a couple of months up to perhaps a year while we um, jointly participate in a collective effort to deal with the real structural and fundamental challenges here and look at any number of longer-term solutions that might change the dynamics of all of this for, for everybody involved. So if we're advocating for, you know, not just putting out a story that talks about the human impact of the services and the people who provide the service, uh, but also saying we want to put forth a what is probably a realistic and tenable solution I would I would recommend to you that that is one that I think should be given additional consideration in light of where we are and the time that we have remaining to to deal with this. so if I could um simplify what you just said uh, or maybe turn it into something more actionable sure <laughs>
3: excuse
0: me and I think we kind of indicated to when we were uh, talking with our county partners you they, they really want to look at our data, you know, with, with uh, Toyin and, and, and verify it, which I get. Um, so we could take the resolution that is in E4 and we could add a 4 V4. We're requesting that the county relax the debt limit, the, the permanent agreement, uh, for a period of one year allow us to enter into this conversation. I mean, we can do that now, mm-hmm. uh, prior to passing a budget, um, because I think they want to know what we want. I think we've, we've, we've indicated that, we, that the, the, the easiest temporary fix, it's temporary and it's a fix. It's not a solution. The easiest temporary fix would be to relax that that. And so, and if you were to do that, what I would say is I mean, you, you, you would, that would enable you to, to either pass a budget that is a uh, yes. negative budget or just continue operations sort of while yeah. this goes I, on. I think, yeah, I think we actually have to do that. In, in, well, so, so first we can add that to the resolution so that we can send that to them. But secondarily, as part of the budget, and maybe we include language to this effect the resolution, I think we actually have to let the county know we're prepared to. Um, implement the measures, some of the measures that we've already agreed to regarding work furloughs and whatnot, and and the bill savings. Like, I want I want them to know that we're willing to, to take those, to do freezes, to do um, work furloughs, etc. which gets us down further. I, I forget the total amount because it's not in front of us. Mm-hmm. In like 17 years. seventeen million. Right? So that, could you know, maximum. the relaxation of that debt limit wouldn't be for the full sixty-three. It would be. Sixty-three minus seventeen, whatever that is. I mean, I, I think I, so. But, that, but we don't actually have to take that action until we adopt the budget. But I think we should indicate that we're ready to do that. So that's my thought on what we could do to modify the. A bunch of assigned up, up um, What sort of budget do we pass? Sir? You would you would end up either taking a ne- passing a negative budget, so you'd be effectively saying, I'm um, passing a budget that would. Uh, um, would result in the organization spending more than it's going to or projecting to spend more than it's going to bring in which means that it would be increasing the debt onto uh, the county while we figure out a a longer-term structural solution.
7: So does that mean we also need to change um, one of these bullets which said staff is authorized to develop a budget resulting in an EBITDA Margin of not less than 1.48. Now what are we going to do? Yeah, that we will amend that, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. even yeah. the other one that clinical services is the last resort is again, is like, again you know. I mean, it is the last
3: resort. I mean, it is the last
7: resort.
0: Everything yeah, is the last resort. Yeah, is that Yeah, that so everything else is a first resort, and, and clinical services, which are 80 percent of our deficit as we can see here, or the last resort? So, um, you know, my hope was that when we had a meeting with the county the other day, there would be a sense of um, readiness to do this together. And um, I was very disappointed to, to hear that they weren't ready to do that which indicated to me that we need to take charge and uh, let others follow where we're going. What you're proposing is a compromise, which, which we need to go back and say, we still want you to be part of this, um, and would you allow, and we also recognize you need more time, mm-hmm. um, would you uh, okay. Agree to this amendment to the agreement mm-hmm. in order to give us that time. That's in essence what. almost. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually agreeing with your first position because I, I, I tend to uh, sort of have a similar philosophy to you that I, I, I think we have to uh, be. be uh, accountable and, and do what we need to do absent anything else. Um, but I would say that when, when we put that forward, if uh, to the will of the board to say we're prepared to do this, I hear you saying I don't... If, even if I agree to do that, I don't want you to execute on it right away, you can say I've authorized the, the organization to move in this direction. Uh, and, and and if we all agree, as we do, that we don't actually want this to happen, one way that we could stay this off and give us more time to figure it out is this. So, so not a compromise per se, but an uh, an okay. alternative, saying we're going to do this, but an alternative to doing this is, is this. If you if you're willing to do that now or shortly after we authorize, so, so this is really challenging my sense of fiduciary responsibility. I agree with him. It, It's not it's not in my nature. I'm just yeah. trying to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, to yeah. Say, I say, take it in a similar way. I'm yeah. just saying my response is. I don't ever propose a you know, leadership role, mm-hmm. deficit budgets, and I never want to pass one as a as board mm-hmm. yeah. member. I appreciate it's that. It's a, a negative state. Um, mm-hmm. I understand it's a unique situation,
2: but,
0: we're going to have cut concerns? Yeah. That's well, well, the bottom line. Well, I guess the way I say is one way to look at it is, is effectively relaxing the, the subsidy, oh, I'm sorry, the, the agreement and allowing for a a, a, uh, a larger draw is effectively bringing in uh, um, uh, revenue, albeit in a loan-type basis. It's just increasing that, that 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 working capital that you're getting, without any guarantee that that will be forgiven. Right. So there's a strong argument in the
3: county, but. Uh, Laugh at this and say we're not. Again, folks, we're not ready. Hard information. Just doing
0: backdoor maneuver. Mm -hmm. Why why, why not? Why not not pass the budget? You know, again, it you know, show some show some cuts that we would have to make if Mm -hmm. we don't get uh, some relief from the county. And then do a device. And then and then and. Give us some time, you know. M- cut the, uh, put them back a little bit, m- months wise, so we have enough time to get a reaction from the county. I, I, I think from my standpoint, I, I mean, I sort, of, I sort of agree. Here is to say that we're not going to have a balanced budget. Yeah. And to say to the county, we'd like a year with like a with open checkbook. I mean, and and you said, Anna. Uh, am I not correct? We're going to have to go back to them anyway on this. This other uh, payment mechanism, cash, oh, cash. Okay. So, uh, uh yeah, yeah well, we've already Still. given them that notice. Right. So yes. So we'd have to extend it beyond that because Correct. we are talking about. cash. That's right. Because the other part is is on top of this. Well, so let's make sure, sure we understand. That, that. Yeah, it's the uh, well, yeah, 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 remember yeah, yeah, that carry over as as a result as that, and that's almost yeah, like seven hundred million. Right, right, so, right. I just don't see how we cannot put a budget together that to balance it. I, I, I share the, the perspective.
7: So in terms of the resolution, which is what's
0: on the table. Yeah, yeah i sorry, there's two separate issues. And <laughs> we public speaker on the resolution. Um,
7: so a question that I, I have. I haven't had. forgotten. I'm sorry. No, go, ahead. go ahead. I, I just have a question. It, it looks like, given this discussion, the second part of it, the now therefore, be it resolved that, I think all of those items need to be very carefully vetted, given what we've said, right, Um, so that they're true. Um, And I'm just going to ask, is there the potential to list the items that are on our packet uh, 403 or 402 uh, somehow to list those as the potential areas that we are looking at reducing. Sure. And is it possible? I know it, but for, to prioritize them a little bit so that, or is like, everything, all, you know, all are the same, or is there something that you say if? We had to cut, then this this goes first, and
0: this, okay. this, this scales no, up. We're forward. not prepared to make yeah, I was going to we're those. We're not prepared to have that conversation. No, yeah. but I think that's precisely the, well, in the finance for us to, to prioritize. The next oh, to exactly. Yeah. Not, not in the round two that you bring. Under okay. yeah, the, the resolution, meeting? I don't think we yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I should put an actually in. And so, so, so I say this: uh, the first part of the assessment that we do with the deficits is to figure out if there is a legitimate request to close the deficit. Mm -hmm. So we're having conversations with uh, um, uh, uh, leaders of these areas, clinical and operational, to say, if you were to increase volume, if you were to do any number of things, I'll give OBGYN as an example. We're having very proactive dialogue, uh, both with Children's and UCSF around whether there's a collegial opportunity for us, as well as CCN, to increase volume in both OBG and GYN Mm -hmm. in particular. Possibly even make you, but if we were to reframe that, that would actually change our budget estimates. So we may come back to you and say, "We we're, we're, were forecasting a five million dollar loss in this area. We've been able to close that, and then that impacts the deficit that way as well." So if I could just ask a very blunt question, because sure. I, I, I was thinking about those clinical areas, how do we do that? Uh, you know, all the interests of the party being asked is to to uh, a very uh, optimistic maybe too optimistic mm-hmm. about the potential savings. And then we're stuck in a February problem. Exactly. But how would you do Can you say something about that? It's, it's a pragmatic discussion. We, I, mean, I mean, like, for example, uh, one of the things we pointed out to you in, in the earlier version of the uh, budget was that for some reason we had this uh, forecasted, I think, about four percent increase in uh, ED volume. I think was, in, was the number, and we went back and had a discussion with them because it was sort of driven by the uh, methodology that was used, that had some uh, some results that didn't end up sort of messing with reality. And my understanding was that discussion actually ended up with us lowering that number. The ED, uh, so people, they're, 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 you're right. They're an interest in uh, preserving what you have but people are also realistic and accountable about saying i'm not yeah and i'm not just sure. scared you know there's no uh no i know we try to account for human nature in our discussions uh, but we also want to make sure that we're seeking the most uh knowledgeable intelligence from the people who are doing the work i think this is the uh, some of the uh, th- this is an area for conversation at the finance committee i think uh, yes you know, trustees are going to want to know. You know, what was what your process for determining the uh, ability yes. yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have one with question. the clinical points input, of course. <laughs> yeah, could you attend the meeting?
4: Yes, please. Johnson.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so given that this is, and if we do adopt this, then this is the sense of the board in continuing with the budget development, correct?
2: Um, I have a question for Gobek um, Yelting. How would this, be implemented in ongoing contract negotiations. If we provide this,
0: is there any chance that this, that our negotiators will go to the table with the ongoing contract negotiations and say um, the board said basically that we're, that they want to keep, cut wages or keep, um, when you say ongoing, you mean the contracts that are currently under negotiation? Uh, yes, it could have an So just so the board aware, when we do this, we will be giving permission to the CEO to go sit at the table and say, um, we're not going to... It could. I, I want to I say that. Right. absolutely would, but it could have an impact on offers or uh, uh, current negotiations that are happening. Yes. And um, I guess Mike...
3: I have it
0: then I'll just close so a budget resolution of something of this nature isn't there's no need in terms of and I know this because we haven't done one in the past but I guess we're doing this because we're in such a uh, like strange and um, critical situation that we feel that as um, some board members pointed out at the retreat that a resolution given the the CEO, the authority and the guidelines to to uh, move forward is really important. So we're going to be making the final decision,
1: though. Yes. Sure, but things could happen, as I just mentioned,
2: and
1: before. It, it, once we pass this, it will be public that this board has those in mind, including temporary personnel expense reductions, raised provisions, furloughs, um, expense reduction, et cetera. So just
0: That's right. some very specific language in here that gives some very direct authority to
7: the administration to take action. Yeah. And in the spirit of partnership that we have, I mean, total solidarity and partnership here we have, because here is where we are working at as we are thinking about like this resolution, just to keep kind of between us the checks and balance of where, um, that when such things happen, that the board is uh, is made aware yeah. of like these uh, things uh, and, and some things
0: because The some action you're, you're, you're giving is, uh, the resolution doesn't provide an action. The resolution is a statement of, 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 of what okay. you believe <laughs> needs to happen, and the action is the budget. Right. We're not giving giving any authority to do any of those things right now. We're giving the the the, the request to look into these things, to bring them and and that you are willing to consider them as a component of the budget. That's it. Yeah, that's okay, good. that's really yeah. helpful to kind of right.
7: understand that. Of that. Up the optics of the that. optics. of it has to be. Uh, no, no. no. The, no. In the optics of it of understanding
0: it. No, it will right. come to the board and the board will Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So, I just okay. push on another step because I, I think. So, for example, yes, you uh, had a slide that uh, listed open contracts. Mm-hmm. So, in, in your information back to the finance committee and then ultimately to the board it will be a filter of course Um, you could say this is the budget that's balanced now one of the ways that we're suggesting you get there is in those negotiations we get at this standard correct and it's explicit correct yeah just like Yes. And uh, so it was so the determination of, of whether activity. you would work for about uh, one day of, you know, a month or, or you know, mm-hmm. every gig or, 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 or whatever right. it is. We, those, weren't, those weren't, like, hard and fast. So it would give you a sense of if that was it, so you just got an anchor or something. It, this is what the projected amount would be. There's nothing final about anyway. Software said by the way, I, I lived through Furlow's trustee Jensen and I both for the city of Oakland back in two thousand whenever that was. was?
3: Twelve
0: is it that well that was early yeah. than that. Anyway. Was that oh, it sucks. I mean it, it really it, it I moved from my house to an apartment and and it was tough and we all took a I mean, between the furloughs and the givebacks, we all saw about a 22 percent.
3: cut eliminated.
0: Yeah, we saw, and, and it was, it was, it
3: was.
0: I don't think the city's ability to provide services ever recovered. Um, but we, we had to do it I and mean, we had no choice. The difference was that was in a poor market where unemployment was extremely high and people wanted to hold on to their jobs. Yeah. We're in a hot market where unemployment is at its lowest rate in 40 years. And, you know, yeah. other, you know, wages are going up an average of three percent right. a year. Um, Michael, do you want to come up here? Sorry, you've been very patient waiting for your public comment now. Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, before I get into the it uh, I appreciate the extension of the offer for
6: the subcommittee, um, uh, and I always welcome that kind of dialogue. We started the subcommittee with the City of Alameda, and I always feel that was positive dialogue that we could have with the city, and we, we do welcome it with our downtown systems, which we consider our
0: partners. O P E R
3: lobby.
0: And so there was no disrespect or anything intended in my comments or, or anything like that. Um, to the resolution, I'm very, um, I wear many hats. So I'm the president of the health um, Healthcare District. I'm also uh, a card merit uh, carrying a union member um, for um, a fire uh, department.
6: And uh, I also sat on other boards and negotiated contracts. So I've, I've kind of seen many, many sides of... Uh, uh, bad budgets and good budgets, unfortunately. And um, uh, as an employee, um, bad budget times have always uh, made me nervous, and uh, my colleagues nervous, as you, mean, brothers and sisters. And uh, so, I caution that the wording in here about wage freezes
4: or wage cuts—it um, almost—it um, almost directs
6: uh, staff to. Uh, negotiate in public basically. They're saying cut wages, that's negotiating in public. Uh, and I, I just want to caution this board on, on directing staff to do that. Um, so that that's my two pieces, on, two cents on that. Um, as a health district board uh, and talking specifically to capital projects and being involved in many publicly funded capital projects throughout my 30-year career in public service, um, I know that timelines, two weeks means two years. And April 20th, uh, or April 1st 2020 is right around the corner. Literally two weeks in the public domain. Um, and to delay or to direct staff that it's okay to delay capital projects, specifically- I'm one. Um, uh, as
2: an uh,
6: elected official to uh, protect the services that uh, Alvin Hospital provides. So um, I caution that wording and I, um, I, I as a public um, person, I don't support the resolution that you're forward. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
0: I would just say that it's, um, uh, I think the culture of this board since I've been here to err on the side of transparency and honesty with our stakeholders. And I, and I understand the points that were just made, but I think I would prefer that we be honest with uh, people who have lots of, at stake uh, as opposed to um, hide. Realities. This is an incredibly um, challenging uh, budget, and uh, the options are uh, narrow for us. So we've uh, got to know that.
1: I'm not going to support the resolution, but I would just um, add on to the public speaker and just suggest that if you're going to keep the resolution as it is,
7: including
0: giving um, extensive discretion to staff to do your trees and furrows and, and bargain, um in public. Also, the, the provision about new
1: category projects will be deferred in progress. Projects will be subject to further review. I would just suggest adding um, another resolution, another um point to the realization to point out that, that the Board will disregard
0: legal or contractual requirements in developing this budget, because that's, that follows the um, second point on here. Uh, point, point of clarification. Uh, my understanding is that the work furloughs and the reductions we talked about were not for organized unions they were, for, they were for non government staff yeah. so so we're not really negotiating in public uh, that's, that's correct. correct I think we actually on the the number five door does include one uh, which just, is back just the
5: in the um, data was provided, acne included, because in previous conversations, uh, you asked for a breakdown on who would be impacted, and we were defining for you the separation between represented and unrepresented staff. Those groups are mixed, based in the facility. In the core, acne covers the majority of managers. As and Almeda, they do not. They're unrepresented in nature. And so we broke them out for you so you can see the difference because various terms were being used such as exempt and non-exempt, represented unrepresented. Mm-hmm. And so we want to create clarity for you. And then I believe uh, in the presentation is also a list of every employee uh, that is covered by each of the separate bargaining so you can review that and get a better understanding of it and how the FTEs in each of those groups. Um, and so it's give you a sense of the original discussion was around management and leadership. A number of those positions are actually represented by ACNE, so we needed to carve those out and show that distinctly in the presentation
0: earlier. So, I would ask uh, if General Counsel Thanks. might be willing to uh, give us a response to this accusation that we're negotiating. Well, I am not entirely sure, you know, what the basis of all of it is, but is, again, as Tony said, the, you know, it's an illustration of,
6: of where those things might occur, um, you know, I'm, you know, quite frankly, I'm right off the top of my head, I'm not familiar with anything in the contract, which, you know, basically goes to that particular piece, so yeah, I would defer to him in terms of what he thinks about that, so...
0: Yeah, I
7: mean, one of the things that again we've
1: discussed in this the is the for
7: This is goals, priorities and values as well. So, as we've uh, discussed at the board retreat, for which you do not have the minutes, but if you would have seen the gist and the context of what it was, and in the finance. committee meeting to is there any language here that we can like tweak to say that if we have to do like wage freezes and cuts that it is like the top um that it's kind of like the leadership um, sets the tone for it i'd really like to see that somewhere to see that if we are asking that to see that you know the higher um income folks
0: um, gets, gets, you know, yeah. ha- have that happen, and I know that we've discussed this. So yeah, if it, it, I uh, may, um, Tony can probably add more color if you, if you need it. Uh, we appreciate um, that expression of certain sort of values too, from the board, and we tried uh, to, to look into it. Um, one of the challenges when you look at sort of living wages and, and, and notions at that at uh, that level in terms of trying to mitigate impact is the contracts are generally based on like Family sizes and what, what households earn, and so uh, we were worried that, for example, if we um, if we said this would not impact an employee who makes less than I'll just pick a number, fifty thousand dollars a year, uh, that, but an employee who makes sixty thousand dollars a year would be impacted. The person making fifty thousand could be a person who is um, uh, not the main wage earner in the household and has other, sense of, uh, other sources of income, whereas a person making sixty thousand could, or the making fifty. 50,000 could be a person who only is a single person, where the person with 60,000 is trying to care for 40 or 50 more family members. Uh, so so when you look at it that way, it's tough to kind of draw the line or make a distinction without, like, having kind of a meta-analysis with de- details and data that we don't really have for all of our workforce. So the value is certainly one that we would love to espouse. Uh, it's just tough to do that without any with sort of... Uh, absolute certainty that you're being able to thread the needle in a way that I think uh, you're you're suggesting.
7: Yeah, but can the leadership team be an example of that in that sense too. Again, like, um, I'm, I'm just trying to play that in as many
0: ways as I can, that when we do that is... Do you mean, like, are we, are we included in the number? Yes, I, you are. No, I know you are. Yes. But if, if, you know, like, even in your prioritization as you're doing all of this and you're bringing round three
7: or four, to us as you do, like when we see, like it's gone from now 80 to 64 and it's gone from 64 to 44 or whatever it is, that we see it, that there is a prioritization that you, we are seeing that indicates that the ones that, you know, either if it's a service that is losing more or if it's a, um,
0: an entity that can afford. To do that. Well, I I will say, um, in the contracted time that we have to to do this, uh, if if we were doing this over a much longer period of time, we could probably be a lot more um, granular in the detail. Um, I I don't want to give you the. um, um, the, 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 the wrong impression, uh, we would certainly try to do that, but I, I feel that given the, the amount of details just get to a number of this nature, it, we may not have a lot of time to be able to uh, do that, but we can certainly try.
3: Okay.
0: Great. You. Just on the, on the last point of the
5: about a afford, I, I, this is purely my role as HR. I'm very cautious about using that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you why, um, simply because I have no idea what someone can afford. I don't know how many family members they support. I don't know what their personal situation is. I don't know what the outcome in their life would be for for an individual employee to go on a furlough. An assumption because a person is either unrepresented or makes a slightly how, higher hourly rate than the person who sits next to them, that means they can afford it more, is a very risky path. I don't. I'm suffering the assumption. I don't know what anyone can afford. I know what we pay based on market, or what we pay in the collective bargaining agreements. And I assume any impact that we make either on a wage freeze or lack of increase, or a furlough will have an impact on that individual. If we were to do a wage freeze and a furlough of an individual, you're looking at an impact of 5% plus a year on someone. the great concern that would be we'd start a spiral of turnover.
7: Right.
5: Uh, and so it isn't that we've priced them out as requested because we think we need to, and that's part of our due diligence, and we have to go down this path because uh, to the earlier points about balanced budget all of them are high-risk propositions mm-hmm. as they relate to our employees, yes. uh, regardless of that employee, what role they have, what their income is, because we don't know what their personal circumstances are. And so I'm just cautious in, in my role as we look at those individuals that there are going to be impacts to them, and we may have to make decisions, and they, in, as individuals, may have to make decisions then following what we do. And we'll then have to manage that situation as we go forward. Mm-hmm. It's just a word of caution around that as we work at it, because there are always going to be impacts uh, that doesn't mean we don't have to make those very difficult decisions because we may well have to. The,
3: the only
0: the only thing that I would kind of argue on the other side is if you look at the cities where they've done minimum wages and living wages, they haven't really, it, it, they don't sit down with the employee and say, what other income do you have, or, yes. right? It's really just a baseline saying for what, what you do for us, we're going to pay you this minimum wage right. because we have this value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and I appreciate that feedback, but, uh, we, we, we could take that type of approach we just want to prepare you for the notion that uh, this is Tony is suggesting that somebody just north of that or just yeah, I know I can say well why not me when my circumstance is warrants this, uh, another level of consideration. It's not that we don't agree or, or think that we can do it in, in, in a sort of straightforward manner like you described. We're, we're cognizant of that unintended consequence. Of right. Thinking, right. I, just, I just want to point out that it, that really, you can't control what people do in the rest of their lives and what their other income streams are. You can, you can, can, you can make a statement about what the minimum requirements are for people and oh, important right. for the health system. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, on that note, I think we've talked this through. Um, I will entertain a motion. Um, it may have uh, amendments or not. Um, I, I personally think that the, that the um, resolution captured the message that we were trying to convey to our partners, and that is we're in a tough spot. We have to look at
4: everything, and then we want to be honest and open about it. Um,
0: I'll move the motion. Okay. Do I have a second? Second. Second. All right. Is there any further discussion or amendments? Yes. Uh, Yes. Okay. I
7: I do not want to have a resolution that only talks about the cuts. I still think we need to say that we're committed to looking.
0: Actually, the, the last bullet does say revenue enhancement opportunities. Sorry, the third to the bottom bullet. I'm sorry I'm in front of me, but Stop Stop expense reductions and revenue enhancement opportunities. wanna move that up? To no, we, oh, so we see and Okay.
7: And the other is that we have to change the clinical services will not be reduced. It needs to say some clinical services may need to be, resi- be okay. reduced. Yeah. And the last change would be the evident level. You have 1.48.
0: No, that's what we agreed to at the
7: retreat. Maybe. If, we're, if we're doing a balance budget, it doesn't have one
3: to one
0: be
7: 1.48 not yeah. yeah. no, no, so yeah,
3: at I,
0: I think, uh, <laughs> <Lewis> wants <laughs> it to be four. I want yeah. to reach three. Right. I mean. it's wrong, right? We're not going to get yeah. there. No, let's do Two something five. realistic. We agreed
7: on 1.48 at the retreat. I, I, I think Oh, no, I'm
0: mean, asking is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure so uh, we agreed that the lowest we wanted to see was 1.48, because that's lower than any organization would ever go. Um, sure. <laughs> what you said is true, but uh, uh, that what you agreed on, but there are organizations. Yeah, they're not, they're not organizations who intentionally want to go lower than that, but so they do. Yeah.
3: But, 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 you know,
0: for, for, for a going concern, okay, so, so, so the so financial so. institution for hospitals, okay, recommends 4%. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we're, we're talking about 1.4. Yeah. If, bef- if we go negative, we can't meet our debt obligation to the county, and we can't pass a budget that doesn't meet that obligation under the permanent agreement,
3: right?
0: That's right, does doesn't meet either. This is, oh, right, because we can't repeat uh, So, Mr. So Chair, this, this is a point of order. So you have a motion. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. To the motion, in, and if I might suggest perhaps a way to, you know, perhaps you'll work is you have a motion. And then Trustee uh, Hernandez's offer the a friendly amendment. So the, the maker of the motion has to see if they can you know, accept it, right? Uh, yeah, well, so what I would suggest is that you take these one issue at a time and, and make a vote so that because what we're doing now is we're adding one thing, and then there's discussion around that one thing, and I'm concerned that yeah. we won't get to a vote, so
3: okay. well, I yeah. might I suggest
0: that, that, that perhaps you take the motion with amendments, you know, if you're willing to amend, have a vote on that, then you can have further discussion on what? It's so a vote on each effort. amendment? Yes. Okay. So there's a friendly amendment proposal to add, to, to, to separate out uh, pursuing, actively pursuing revenue enhancements. Um, uh, in favor of that, oh, do you accept that friendly amendment? I move. Okay, uh, is the board in favor of that friendly amendment? Uh, yes. Okay. So we vote on each
7: amendment. One at a time. To yeah. Just one at a time. Is there another friendly in the yes.
6: amendment? Yes. Is there another friendly amendment? I have a friendly amendment. Okay. I, as the Chair of the Quality Committee, I can't not have a discussion of quality on this. We discussed the cost of poor quality in there, so some language, which I can't word for now. You yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the diminution of quality, you know, something like that. I mean, I'll, I'll word craft it right now, or or council can help me word craft that. Uh, we are committed to the current quality that we have, or something. That's it.
7: Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. We are committed to, to um, um, maintaining, maintaining quality or, oh, or maintaining high of care, maintaining yes. okay. patient okay. safety quality. Okay.
0: Sure. Agreed. Okay. All in favor of that amendment? Okay. Aye. 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 Okay. Aye. Are there other friendly amendments?
1: Um, yeah, I have a friendly amendment. Um, instead of new capital projects and in progress capital projects. I would just say that um, just say new capital projects will not be subject
0: will be subject to further review. Period. I can't accept that. Well then, okay, I understand. Then I would say the Alameda Hospital capital project (coughs) will be deferred in order to further review to establish a third need. Let's say that again. Say it again.
1: The only, the only capital project that we're talking about in this resolution is Elmida Hospital. So I would be very clear. I would you appreciate the board
3: would be clear about that. Actually.
0: We'll just clarify. I have to look at a capital uh, budget, but we have, we, we have other uh, things that are on the uh, list. Uh, you wonder the, the opportunity in this board? the largest
4: one. one. Did I
0: did. I, I, I don't know if I said that before, but it is the Could I really help, C- I maybe help your, your amendment? I think what you wanted to say is new capital projects uh, will be deferred in projects, capital projects, including the Alameda hospital retrofit. You, you want that named? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in the interest and of transparency. The only change would be to... Right. No. Yeah. In the interest of transparency, yeah. All in favor
3: of that yeah. amendment?
7: Aye. Is it correct that you do need to remove the first one? Because we are talking about clinical? So...
0: So that's a value statement clinical services will not be reduced or made except as a last resort. Is that right? That's last a
7: resort. resort. It is a last resort. Is that right?
0: Oh, okay. I think that's the okay. value statement that we made at the retreat. That was why it was included, was we said, as a last resort, we would be cutting clinical services. So, okay. Are there other amendments? Okay um so on the itself, on, on the resolution itself all in favor so, so oh. if, if i might you well know, perhaps if i could attempt to provide you the product the we'll re- we'll revise with the amendments to make sure that everyone's on the same page so the resolution the uh the resolution clause will be now that be now therefore be resolved that a board of trustees sets forth the following priorities and goals for adopting a budget for fiscal year 2019-2000 clinical services will not be reduced or eliminated except as a last resort. Uh, In determining any changes to clinical services, uh, the organization will maintain a strong commitment to maintaining the quality of the care provided to members of the community. New capital projects will deferred and in-project progress capital projects including the of hospital project will be subject to further review to establish the degree of need projects that do not support the critical needs of the system will be deferred or canceled. Staff is authorized to implement temporary personnel expense reduction programs. Staff will continue to explore other expense reduction uh, possibilities. Staff will continue to explore other revenue enhancement opportunities. Staff is authorized to develop a budget, resulting in an even margin of not less than 1.48%. The Board calls upon other, calls upon partner organizations, uh, parenthetically labor and business partners to work with AHS to facilitate expense reduction and cost containment. All right. All in favor. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. Any abstentions? All right. It passes. Thank you. This is just one chapter in this conversation and process, and it's. Um, I don't think it's going to get any easier. <laughs> uh, That's a good I do. I need to hear the. Pardon me. Do I need
6: to hear the um, committee reports? Committee chairs. The committee chair. Um, QPSE defers okay okay thank you um,
0: i believe have i missed anything i believe that's it correct uh we technically we now adjourn to closed session for public employee performance evaluation um, Okay. I've got a one-year and a three-year-old today, so I was like, "Oh, congratulations!" <laughs> uh, through my son and his wife. Wow, I'm glad I'm still a
3: actually normal. Yeah. Uh, this meeting is in front of us.